Um, yeah, perps should make um, perps usually bring a lot of volume. When is that starting? Dude, we've been waiting for it for like months. I don't know. They have great builders on Kajira. Like they like that sonar. You should be using the sonar wallet. I, sh- I wish I would have already told you that. Yeah, like, that wallet is on test flight, right? It's not. A- it's not actually released yet. Yeah, you got to you, you got to do it on test flight. But I mean, I have the app. I mean, you wouldn't know that it's not. I mean, I have the sonar mobile app on my. I have half it in there and then half it on. How good is the interface like with all their different stuff? Pretty good. It's freaking amazing. They don't have everything that you could get on like blue, like and they're uh-huh. all coming soon, but like okay. staking, swapping. And it's just like so smooth. Like, you would think like a pro built this app. Like just the user interface is like so clean. Like it's, it's just such, it's so well built is my. Yeah. You, UI UX for Kajira has always been phenomenal. Like better than most. It's that one guy I follow him. Like he's just, He's the one that redid their website. Like whoever that dude is, I can't think of his name right now, but he is a freaking not, gangster. Not, not Dove, but um, one of the guys, yeah. Not Dove, I don't think. Um, I ended up shouting him out on Twitter. I'd have to look back, but that guy could freaking. Yeah, their their stuff has looked great ever since they were on Terra, right? On their liquidation engine. What is it? Orca or whatever back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. No, that's one of the reasons to be bullish Kajira is that like they have superior user experience compared to most platforms. So, um, so long as like their core user experience is good, like more dApps and things are likely to show up. The the negative thing about layer ones right now though is like, um, there's so many of them in in some ways. So like like uh, the it's hard to attract liquidity to your layer one when there's so many different ones happening, like a uh, Injective or Kajira and uh, you know, whatever Terra and like any number of other half dozen that might show up, right? Neutrons there now, and I don't know how many others are coming and honestly, out. Honestly, we all just got to pull some from Solana, and I guess Avalanche. I don't know the difference between the two. I'm sure Solana is obviously much bigger, but I mean, they're the two that you got to pull from. I would assume ETH sucks. So, but a plus side is that like by having a variety of different layer ones all via IBC. You can create cool bots and things like IBC trading bots and stuff or whatever that you could ultimately have. Like, let's say Injective is up and you want to sell some of it and you want to buy some Kajira when it's down. You could have this like bot trading that does this sort of shit. By having a lot of native assets, it creates more trading opportunities and perps platforms and whatever the fuck else. So like, that's kind of cool. Like, um, I, I think that makes uh, the system a lot more bullish because like every chain becomes a possible trading instrument versus like if you're on solana you have maybe a few interesting dApps or something like you know what i mean like with it, it within one chain there's not as much shit to do like and solana more- is like solana is like now it's just turned into like a meme where there's just these all these shit coins pumping and they're yeah. pumping crazy but that's what's attracting so much like they're just people are just buying meme coins and they're going crazy on solana like all them alts on solana are going nuts mm-hmm. yeah i don't i don't think there's a whole lot of like gigantic legit projects on solana that's the bearish part of solana's ecosystem the plus side is that they have a good shell community yeah and it's crazy held by vc um yeah it's eight percent but there's a lot of unlock like the tokenomics will give you a headache if you really look into Solana. (laughs) yeah i'm sure but same with injective but obviously this is why they pump because the big money holds them i guess i don't know but they're going to it's because the big money the big money spends money to to pump them that's why yeah so marketing whatever it is yeah yeah, VC held stuff is a double-edged sword. Early on, VC held shit is great. Like you want to buy the VC stuff because like they're not going to sell early. They're going to want to make their hundred x or whatever. 
And they are the same people that are going to want to like, you know, pay shillers and whatever the fuck else <laughs> to advertise or, you know, get the stuff on YouTube and stuff. And that's a key thing. Um, I agree. That's the thing with so Kuji. Like, like Kuji's not that. You know what I mean? Kuji's the opposite. It's of not that. that. Yep, that's right. But like at the same time, Kuji has a shill group, which is basically the community theoretically. Yeah, because... the community is definitely strong. It's organic, and it's most of it's from Luna. You know, yeah. but it's an organic community, so that's worth its weight. So the early community owns like a lot of the distribution, which is really, really good distribution. So anytime you have like a really wide early distribution among like serious holders um it's hard to build that organically right like so kuji is and terra even terra's um distribution now is much more organic or better than it was earlier on so both of these have like good just like token distributions generally and that can be bullish so yeah i think both will be all right like um from here like for kuji to get to five billion market cap in a bull market would not shock me at all um you know three to five billion is very very feasible so it's like plenty of upside from here so i added to my kuji bag and i think i'll add some more so the um, thing that i kills me about luna is like the reason we loved it was the deflationary aspect uh, and you know the mm -hmm. stable and now that's now it's just i guess any other layer one and i don't know if they're really building that much on it but um like the best might have went to kuji so i mean yeah it's going to pump but it's not the same use case, obviously. Um, right. So no, no, of course not. It's just basically a Cosmwasm layer two, right. um, of which now there's like four or five of them, right? So when Luna came out, one of the things was like, it wasn't just the UST component. It was among the few Cosmwasm enabled like layer ones. Like what else was there? There was like what? Juno and what? Like, I don't know, maybe there's another couple that were like, had a couple of things you could do on them or some shit, but it was like almost Osmosis, nothing else. What, osmosis or? Yeah, Osmosis was like the, the DEX, but it didn't have any like actual applications on it yet, right? If it, like now you have Ravana on there, for example, but not before. So back when Luna first had its run, you had a lot of shit you could do on there, right? Like QG was building on there and the good builders all showed up on Terra, basically, right? And the Anchor was, was obviously the best, but that was like a scam. Yep. Not a scam, but it was just... Something yeah, it wasn't way. sustainable. Yeah, it wasn't so so but it was but this but definitely got a lot of volume, right? Like whatever it was or wasn't, like people use that shit. They like to play Chuck E. Cheese on that thing. And um, you know, like <laughs> they enjoyed the, it's all about where people enjoying the video game, right? The more video games there are to play on your particular blockchain, the more transactions are gonna happen. Like if like <laughs> like this is just abstracted video gaming, it's all it really is. Like people shouldn't like think of it anything more than that it's just big Dude, game theory if you remember during the peak of like terra i like called out doquan like we went back and forth on twitter because they were getting three million new terra like luna tokens a month three million valued at like 95 dollars yep. that was really yep. what was propping up everything like three million were getting created every month to terraform labs like that's like what is that 300 million not, not created no no what was happening was tfl had their stash right the team's tokens and they were selling uh, like, yeah, millions of dollars worth of Luna in that, you know, higher range. And that's the funny thing, though, is like if a team doesn't sell, it's bearish because then they're going to sell later. If the team sells, it's bearish because it brings the price down. <laughs> but that was that Operation Dawn is what you're talking about is when like they started selling some of their tokens to pay out like 
you know, developers. And so they don't run off to, do, to other projects and stuff. They had to like, cause you can't be like Luna rich and then like not pay anybody. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, right. So what like happened three million was, with the, too many every month. I feel it was, like, I don't think it was just that. Remember galaxy digital and others sold Luna too. There's a whole sequence of things that happened as Luna went above. $100. No, but them 3 million were coming into circulation that were not in circulation before. That's correct. They were selling. That's um, correct. But even so, galaxies were member. It was like VC held. They they backed them in the very beginning. So that wasn't really in circulation much either, right? They weren't trading it. But like when 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 Galaxy unstaked, Galaxy Digital unstaked Mike Novogratz and his you know thing, and then this happened. And then also community pool money was being used for like that you know stadium thing and whatever, right? So community pool money was sort of like locked up to cent too. So yeah. So what ended up happening was is as more and more of these things start coming to the market, like then it's sort of like um, increased the probability that we like that Luna was not going to be backing sufficiently U UST enough. And then it like opened up the possibility of doing all the, you know, and then FTX and, and Alameda came in and Sam Bankman fried basically was the one that crashed Terra at the, at the very end. Yeah, so, well, like, and it maybe not even yeah. did it on purpose, but he sold a billion dollars UST or something, like trying to. Convert no, he did it. it. He did it more or less on purpose. You think? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he he opened up shorts on FTX at the same time that this happened. So, um, like the ability to short UST and short Luna simultaneously uh, created like this weird, like crazy ass pressure. Um, so, like this is why, like at this point, like Zephyr, for example is like DJED protocol has been the only one that has been like sufficiently battle tested and so far hasn't crashed. And that requires like 400% over collateralization with reserve asset. Whereas Luna was only like one-to-one, -one, right? It was like $1 of Luna to make $1 of UST. Whereas with Zephyr, it's like you have to have 400% over collateralization minimum to create one ZSD, which is a very different you know, thing. So, because of the underlying proof of work asset is so volatile, you have to have that over collateralization. And yeah, so the whole the whole scheme was interesting, but like, um, but there were flaws. And the other thing too is the other reason why it crashed was soon as like remember when the LFG Foundation was created for Luna, that was like advertising that they yeah. that basically tells the whole world that the base system doesn't work, right? Like, why would you need an external Bitcoin reserve if the system worked? Right. And once it was clear that it wasn't going to work. It's all these things were signals. The Operation Dawn was a signal. Galaxy Digital selling was a signal. Because now it's like, if you know that teams and VCs are selling, then everyone's going to be like, wait, fuck, wait, you know, do I want to be the last one to sell? So then, like, you know, each of then, like, one by one, I'm sure early VCs started selling because that's probably what dumped it um, at the top as well. So remember that one time it dumped from like $100 to like 50 or something or 45 yeah. Remember that? That was what happened, like that first run. And then they're like, oh, we need to get more like actual cash in the system and lock up more Luna. So remember they did that like um, team OTC sale, right? Like they sold um, like a billion dollars of the Luna from the um, TFL stash. Remember this? And they sold it. This is like when it was like $45 or so. And I think a bunch of people were picking it up OTC, but they had to lock it up for like, I don't remember how many years. There was like a lockup period. and and a few people like Shardy B and some other people were like buying like big ass quantities of this, this shit. And, um, they, they kind of, <laughs> so like they were doing things to try to shore up that like system, but it was kind of, it became like too little too late basically. But there was like so much bullishness on like the growing demand of UST, obviously, you know, I wonder like 
um, Washington Nationals. Remember, like, they sponsored the Washington Nationals? Like, mm-hmm. do they still have, like, that terror? They do. Like, it's they still do? there. <laughs> that is crazy. So funny. Because it's a month, multi-year contract, right? So, yeah, the advertising's already there. It's already paid for, basically. It's very funny. Some some guys went to that to the actual national stadium and just, like, took pictures of that shit. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Pretty sure it's still there to this day. I don't think it's moved. Pretty fucking funny, honestly. But yeah, it's like there was a lot of like market top signals back then too. Like, you know, crypto.com had a fucking stadium and FTX had a stadium and everyone seemed to have like advertising going. And by the time that happens, like, you know that all of retail knows about crypto by then and is buying. And so eventually it means you're getting close to um, you're getting close to buyer exhaustion because big money is not buying like at those levels. It's small buyers that are buying at those levels, right? So this that's the thing we were talking about earlier. Like a good top signal for the season is going to be, yeah, where Coinbase app ranks in the app store listings. If they're number one in the app store listings under finance, or especially if they're number one in the whole app store, like then you know that um, we're we're getting close to a top. So I think you could probably like sell off your bag long before that happens, honestly, and still do fine. Pretty funny. so I uh, I sold my my Zeph a while ago because I just um. I wanted. I was trying to accumulate a full Bitcoin or whatever, but uh-huh. I, I want to grab. So I was just thinking while we were talking about this, like I, I'm pretty sure this could happen with Monero too. But just imagine like all these people that steal, you know, Bitcoin or whatever, and like mm-hmm. imagine if they swapped it for to the Zephyr wallet and then changed it to another wallet. Like that money's gone. It's gone. It's gone now. Like Monero already allows you to do this. Right. So people use like the atomic swaps um, for Monero BTC, but. Um, yeah, yeah, no, for sure, it's gone. So, um, yeah, like, no, but that's the whole, but that's the thing. But you know, there's like a lot of people that are going to use this. So, like with Zephyr, for example, like anybody that understands what it does is going to be like, "Fuck yeah, I'm going to use this." <laughs> like, so, like, there's going to be some diehard users for sure, like w- without question. In fact, even Monero has a lot of users that like still use it, compared to Zcash and um, what is it called, Dash and whatever. Uh, Monero's kept its market cap um, close to three billion, uh, pretty steady. So I think Zephyr is going to do the same thing. Like it's it should rise over time. So it's 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 repeating the exact Casper chart, by the way. Um, Casper made it to like three billion and then dropped to like two. Um, Zephyr's chart is pretty much an echo of that chart, almost exactly. So like uh, Casper pumped initially, like this one. Now Zephyr had its first pump. It pulled back about meh. 50 to 70 percent right in that range took about three months to consolidate and um, reach its prior high so like according to caspa's chart zephyr should be at prior high like within a month so it's the a thing 17- that bothered me about zephyr when i was like really getting mm-hmm. i made a lot of money on it um it just kind of was like broken like where you couldn't use the reserve like it didn't seem to work in its core function because now the reserve you can't yeah you can't get the reserve token if you already have you don't have enough uh stable dollar in circulation so it works fine um you only it doesn't it only needs to have enough collateralization like um to be at least minimum 800 percent over collateralized and after that it doesn't allow you to mint any zrs which is fine it's normal it, it works it works great actually it's working where really where is the over collateralization like what percentage is it at now um it's at 1300 percent still so you can't get the reserve token now um unless it drops some people sell it though if you want some they'll sell some people sell it like at a premium on uh I think ZegX or no KYC or somewhere like, so there are people that sell a little bit of it, but like you can't get much of it. 
Um, they'll sell like a few tokens here and there. So if you'd like some, it is available, but it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't bothered with it, honestly. Like if we get to a point where, so Zephyr has to dump like back to like $8 or $9 for it to be like under collateralized. So I don't, that's the reason why I think this is the floor price for Zephyr. I don't think anyone's going to let you get it that cheap. Um, I picked it up again. It's I feel like it's held its floor twice. pretty damn, it's held its floor pretty damn well. No, it's down 70%. That's a pretty good floor. Like, right, that's, that's a what I'm saying. Like, it hasn't gone below, like, 17. I'm not trying to, but I'm just yeah, saying, like, a, it seems like it's at a bo market, bottom's close. In a bear market, bottoms can go down to, like, 95% or more, right? Like, but in a bull market, 70% is pretty damn good. I think right now is a good price for it, relatively speaking. So I added to it yesterday and the day before, um, personally, in sizable amounts. So um, am I going to get another? I feel like I should just be done with it and just go all in on it now. But like, it's my greed that's telling me maybe wait till 15 bucks or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, but I picked it up the last two days. Like, there's a reason why the floor price is what it is, because I keep buying it and I have a lot of money. So like, <laughs> so if I if I really go nuts, then I'll pump this fucker to 50 bucks instantly. So the problem is like, I don't want to do that. Um, yeah, the, 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 order books being... are, the order books are almost too thin, you know? Yeah, I'm not interested in like uh, stripping the order book and I'm not interested in necessarily... Um, like being the only owner of the thing, right? Like I want to have good distribution. Like, so yeah, if it goes a lot lower, like fuck, like if it goes like to the level where I can convert to ZRS, I'm buying it for sure in large quantities, right? That's a given. So there's not even like, so I'm sort of front running the FIB. Like the FIB is at like 15 something, whatever. And, um, and I'm, I've been buying it like above that level thinking that like, so if it puts in a higher low here um, at, you know, like I think if fifteen forty was the previous level, let me see. Um, it hit, uh, yeah, fifteen eighty was the low. Um, but yeah, if it if it continues to sort of like, um, like this week puts in this as a higher low, which was like sixteen fifty six, that represents almost a triple bottom at this point. And I think the odds of um, like heading off to the next level is pretty good at that point. Um, I also swear, like, I feel like I, I checked the price of it and it's either at 17 and then it goes to 23 and like I blink it's at 23 like right the pumps between them two are crazy it pumps so quick no it's it's it actually is not that fast but it will it does move like it will start so the most recent run it went to 25 which is basically the at one fib level and um, the next level above that is like 28 but um it just takes time to consolidate in the sense that like new buyers need to step in, take some of the supply off the market. And um, also the Mexi order book needs to be. Um, so if the, if the market makers are seeing lower and lower volume at this level, then they'll start moving up their bids, right. To, to push the price higher because they'll find more volume up at a higher price. So once, once, once market makers are sure that like prices, the volume has completely bottomed out, then they're not getting much benefit anymore, right? So then they start moving their their lower bids higher, with the hope to push the price up and gin up excitement. So like these markets, are super manipulated. Like there's no question about it. And this is why like you'll notice like even on this one on on Zeph, like at the very bottom, this was like back in October, the volume was like practically at its damn near lowest. So in crypto, it's funny. Like when you want to be buying is when the volume is fucking zero. Like it's like almost at the very, very nether netherworld levels, and that's exactly what you're. And you're seeing that now too. Like volume has been dropping off, dropping, dropping, dropping as we sort of get lower and lower. 
And um, if it's like, you know, there's no actual more money to be made in transactions at that level, then market makers will start like putting their limit orders higher and higher, and it will slowly start trickling up. That's what you're going to see. Um, so yeah, how much of it? And then on top of that, like what, 8,000 coins come into circulation per day. It's like 200 grand worth or something, $150,000 worth. And um, I forget, like, well, no, I take that back. That's the wrong amount. But it's like, yeah, 8,000 coins per day approximately are coming to circulation. But like, and there's nowhere near that being sold, though. Because so what inflation like, you, uh, is that? Yeah, because if you were if they were selling eight thousand dollars, I mean eight thousand coins per day, oh, the price wouldn't be anywhere near this high, because like you get slippage on even modest amounts of buys and sells on here, right? So like, even if you're buying like five hundred coins, you're getting quite a bit of slippage. So there's definitely no way they're selling that many. No, <laughs> no. So most of the miners are hodling this um, big time. Like they're expecting a Caspa move because if the, if not, the price would be just simply much lower. Who's that so, one dude that um that was in the spaces? He bought like a market buy of like two hundred grand worth. I feel like he's like the biggest holder of any half. Oh, oh Papoose bought like fifty, um, bought like fifty thousand bucks worth. I think at one time. Um, so no, yeah, but the one pretty, guy pretty he um he he like lost his Twitter. He was on. He was talking a lot when we were in the beginning. Um, oh. You know, remember he he's like he's real big on like he always talk about God and stuff and um. How this is like a god oh, token. Drake. Yeah, it might have been who it was. He put a hundred and twenty thousand buy order in. I'm pretty sure he was responsible for pumping it from like twenty to fifty. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so uh no, it's um yeah, at these levels, remember the higher the market cap goes and the greater the 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 depth of the market becomes, the harder it is to move the price up to the next level and the longer the consolidation period takes. So yeah, I think like um if you like, if we get back to prior high sometime in February ish, that would be kind of good. I don't know that this has as much of a cult following as Caspa does, right? So, like, obviously, that's going to play a role. Maybe it takes another month after that. Who knows? But there comes a point at for which, like, you know, all the moving averages look smooth and everyone's, you know, basically more of a buying mode than selling, and off you go, right? So it's it's a matter of time. Plus, have we're in a, again, in we're in a bullish market. So, have you looked into like what's going on with Grayscale right now and how they're like pretty much bleeding out and that? I feel like what they're doing is going to have a big. It's going to have a big. Um, I honestly don't know what they're doing. I don't know what so the mechanics. I'll, I'll explain to you because I've been looking. I've been like since I I bought. A lot, I'm in a lot of Bitcoin now. I'm like, are they selling them. their Bitcoin or are they? So like what's what's happening? What's happening ETF? is with this with this ETF got approved. Obviously, um, mm -hmm. Grayscale had like thirty billion dollars that had in their whatever their old Grayscale um, stock was. I guess it was derivatives or whatever, and they were able to move to spot. Now their fee for their ETF fee is 1.5%. And then you got like Fidelity at point like 20 basis points. You got ARC at 21 basis points. You got um, what was I gonna say? Uh BlackRock at like 20 some of them are zero. So they're all selling right. their grayscale. And I feel like the market may, like say if you're BlackRock and, and you got a guy that's looking at the order books and you see grayscale just selling, 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 you're not gonna buy into their sales. Like you're gonna wait for them that's selling to stop. You know, so there's a lot of selling pressure from Grayscale on the Bitcoin and all these other market, like all these other ETFs are probably waiting. If I'm them and I have all this, I'm waiting for them to stop selling before I'm going to but does, start buying. But does Grayscale have to sell their underlying BTC? Well, it's like, a cash for cash. So like you, so if someone, because uh, like, UBTC never like was never pegged to the amount of BTC in the actual thing, right? Like it was always just floating. It's not an yeah. ETF. Well, but now they, they converted it to an ETF. Now Grayscale is an ETF. Is it now? It's actually an ETF now. Yeah, so and now it's not it has to one be... like with gold. It used to be that you could like say if 
say if you wanted to move your funds from Grayscale to BlackRock before you were able to like, you didn't have, there didn't have to be a sell, but that was like their big thing. They didn't want to happen, but it had happened. You have to create the cash. So if you want to get out, if you want to move out of Grayscale, you have to sell and then buy another one. And then yeah, Grayscale has to sell their Bitcoin. I'm going to say want to hold Bitcoin and not the cash, but there's their outflow on, on, on Grayscale yesterday on Friday alone was $700 million worth of outflow from Grayscale. And now it's all hitting the market. That's why Bitcoin dipped 8%. We all expect the inflows to be trump the outflows, and it has not been the case whatsoever because Grayscale, everyone's t coming out of Grayscale right now. That's been the biggest issue. Um, GBCC is priced right now. It's not priced. It's not. They're still traded. It's not like pure ETF yet. It's like at thirty-seven sixty now. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't mirror the price, but it's, yeah, just, so body, it's, it's just body ETF. So I think they started an ETF, but it's not this ticker though. Yeah. Like it, this, uh, it, so some things I don't know. The, this is what I'm saying. Like I didn't understand the exact mechanics of what the fuck is going on with GBTC and whether or not it does in fact represent substantial sell pressure or is that just FUD or what? Like what any of that is? Like the price that you see of BTC now, it could easily be accounted for by just simply liquidating longs. Like honestly, like like there's to me like the BTC price right now like. Is not even interesting. It's only at its 50-day moving average. There's no serious dump here. Like the fact that it went to like 50k on speculation and stuff of ETF and whatever. Like, and you're going to have some longs and some, you know, brief like momentum traders and stuff. None of that was really surprising to me. I would be more worried if like BTC dumps back down to like 20k or something. No, so yeah, I'm going. Like, I'm I'm going to just uh, respectfully disagree, and I'm just going to say if you look at these ETF flows, the mm -hmm. ETF. Like for instance, if you look at the holdings of Arc, it's it's a uh, B, it's Arc um, big. Yeah, they're not like very that. big yet. Well, they, they they went from ten, they held ten million in Bitcoin, and now they hold seventy five million. They own, mm. they own seven million, they own ten million in Bitcoin at the start of this ETF, and now mm. they own seventy five million in in right. which is not a lot. No, no. but. Because there hasn't been that much buys on it yet. But if you look at no. Grayscale's holding in Bitcoin, look, take a look at what Grayscale's holding of Bitcoin was last week, and look how much Bitcoin they hold today. It's almost a billion dollars. But that doesn't dollars. mean they sold it, though. They could have just but, simply moved it. So I don't know what we're they're looking doing. At the outflows. We're looking at the outflows of Bitcoin sold. Like you could see what they sold in Bitcoin. It's all public knowledge. No, but you can, you can only see that it moved. You don't know that it sold, do you? Like, do you have, do you have, like, does it, like, let me it find shows their outflows. It shows their sales. You could look, look up grayscale Bitcoin sales. Like that, this is, this is what's going on. And like, I follow like British holder, like British HODL. Like he's a big Bitcoin. Yeah. You know how they have the Bitcoin maxis and he's the one that's going over and showing what they're selling. So like, I'm not going to try to explain, but the Bitcoin community has been completely aware of what's been going on. And there's a lot of selling from Grayscale of Bitcoin. And other than liquidating longs, I know that's also into play, but there I'm is sell pressure. Actual. Because remember, we've only been at this price level for like what? Like a month, right? So whether GBTC did something or they didn't, or you think new buyers came in and then, G, then, then like Grayscale dumped on them basically or what? Like, No, they're trying to move. They're trying to get out of Grayscale because they're charging 1.5% in, in, in fees to manage the ETF. And other ones are, are charging nothing. They want to get but out that's of grayscale. My whole point, like with GBTC, like they don't have to sell GBTC just because people are leaving the trust and the price of the trust value goes down. 
does not automatically mean that their holdings have to simultaneously. That's the whole thing about GBTC. They're, like in the past, like, you know, the GBTC premium and the discount, like I used to own a lot of GBTC and um, like used to buy it. Like when, so GBTC would be worth way lower than it should be versus the Bitcoin they held. And but are then, you aware like, of what happened and what they changed to this past week? No, not exactly. I'm not I'm saying I'm not sure the mechanics of this, like exactly how they did it. You'd have to describe it specifically. Like, like, so they have like if they're doing an ETF, like are they moving Bitcoin to their ETF and then like, you know, or are they literally selling it on the open market or what? I don't understand. Unless, like, unless they hold a billion dollars in cash and they're willing to hold on to the exposure just to Bitcoin itself and they want to pay with cash, it's a spot ETF. So this is, I know it doesn't say like it's 42,000 on their ticker, but that is a spot correlation with the price of Bitcoin. Like they sell and buy Bitcoin. There's a custody and they're holding Bitcoin and they sell it when you sell. And if you want to go somewhere else, that new ETF will buy Bitcoin. It's supposed to be a spot ETF of Bitcoin price. It's not supposed to be a speculative. It's supposed to move with Bitcoin. It's a spot ETF. So it's like proportionally should move. Um, let me see. Um, Grayscale Trust ETF. I'm trying to find an actual description of what they did. Um, let me see here. Um, yeah, if, if I haven't seen like, I haven't read a specific serious article. Um, like what exactly, you know, like when can people that have GBTC, like when can they actually redeem their Bitcoin and, and who's redeeming what and whatever? Because a lot of people are sort of stuck in their grayscale position yeah. for a long That's well, what it's So now like ARC, like it, this is all like, Conversion to an ETF allows people to extract their BTC from their, like people that actually have physical Bitcoin held in the GBTC can now extract it or some shit. There's like a whole thing. Yeah, because if, if there's if there's a billion dollars in people wanting to sell their GBTC, which is now Bitcoin, I mean, unless they have the cash for it, I mean, they have to sell to raise the money to sell the Bitcoin to give them cash. There's a redemption, you know, and how they're going to redeem how they're going to redeem that to usd if they're not selling bitcoin either way we could see their order books now and we see gptc is selling bitcoin it's all public knowledge now and you look at the inflows of arc is now it was 65 million yesterday here's, in new capital here's a coin desk article um uh grayscale claims like this is from january 11th so what a couple days ago grayscale claims bragging rights for first spot bitcoin etf to begin trading finally approved by the sec Grayscale's conversion of $27 billion worth of Bitcoin trust into an ETF was finally approved. Um, let me see. The manager's claiming bragging rights for blah, blah, blah. Happy to confirm that GBTC started pre-market trading 4 a.m. Eastern this morning. Um, $27 billion con trust conversion to ETF finally approved by the SEC. One of the any applicants, da-da-da. Uh, let's see what they say. And GPTC is pretty much saying fuck you because people are probably in like situations of tax harvesting where they don't want to move, but they're the only ones charging. They're charging 150 basis points, and and you know Fidelity is only charging 20 basis points. So obviously, That's if you're correct, holding, yeah, yeah it's charging five percent, um, markedly higher fee than its competitors. Um, and there'll be some owners of GBTC that they don't even remember that they have it, and they're just going to leave it there. <laughs> so. I agree. And that's why we still have like 25 million. Ever. But, but my point yeah. is, if, if let's say if you're Fidelity, right, and you have all mm. these new inflows and you got your guy in there that has to go buy Bitcoin. And, and for instance, I'll tell you something else. So Coinbase 
OTC, they had an outflow of $7 billion of Bitcoin on their OTC. So OTC doesn't really move the market, right? Because it's already like, it's not, they're not buying it on an exchange and moving an order book. There was an outflow of $7 billion in Bitcoin the first day of this ETF, right? So $7 billion was converted to whether it was BlackRock, Fidelity, or ARK. So that's a lot. That's a lot of Bitcoin. So eventually, you know, um, the OTC market is going to dry up from whatever Coinbase has, and they're going to have to go to the order books and, and bump it up. But my point is, is that GBTC is killing these pumps because GBTC is just selling, selling, selling. $700 million just yet, yesterday alone was sold from Grayscale. Yeah, and you know, the other thing about ETFs, which I don't fully understand yet, is like, how much of, how are these gaps going to be dealt with again over the weekends, right? Like, it's like CME gaps again. So like, the close after hours for GBTC was, um, yeah, so what happened was they, the GB, so by turning to the ETF, GBTC became priced um, the same as BTC. Um, approximately. And what happened was, is that like over the the end of the trading hours, like it dropped to 3760, um, which means that the BTC price um, for GBTC share is now like $37,000 Bitcoin. So what this means is like when the ETF gets rebalanced, meaning whatever, like you know, I guess maybe they do it Monday or I don't know exactly when they do this shit, but like maybe Monday it'll rebalance to the, the proper price of BTC. So will the actual price of BTC drop to match GBTC's value valuation or what will happen? I'm not 100% sure. Let me look what happened to um, FBTC. Yeah, so the, the first day it opened. Let me look at, um, um, let's, let's compare real quick, though, to um, the Fidelity one. So FBTC is Fidelity's and it's also at 3781 as well. Yeah, so it seems like it's trading for a premium. Like before it was up, it went up to 52 at open. It started at four, it started at 43, like the same price at Bitcoin. And then that went up to 52 and then BTC pumped to like 49, um, yeah. 49,000. And then it like crashed and Bitcoin went down too. But it seemed like at first it was, that went up to 52 and Bitcoin was at 49. So it seemed like at first it was trading for a premium. And now it seems like it's trading like lower than, I'm pretty sure they're supposed to mirror the price of Bitcoin. I mean, I don't know exactly how it lines up. Like I didn't know if it was forty three thousand. Yeah. It would be forty three for a share. And Van Eck Bitcoin Trust, which is like HODL, H O D L, which is also a like it's on the CBOE. Um, it's priced at like forty eight forty nine. So I don't know how the fuck that works. Um, but yeah, like an interesting play here is that like uh, theoretically, if you believe that um, BTC was going price is going to hold up. You actually got away with like if you bought the Fidelity um, ETF at market close on Friday, you bought Bitcoin at thirty seven k, essentially. Yeah, I'm not sure if that. I'm not <laughs> that's sure if that. Cool. I'm not because like because like my buddy bought it exactly at open that because he's with Fidelity and he bought it. For yeah, his I got it at open on Fidelity and it was the price exactly the same as BTC. Like, right, and now he was up and now he's down significantly. But the thing is, he was telling me he's in he's in um. What was I going to say? He's like a, now, a traditional I only bought one share, so I'm not down shit, but like yeah, yeah. I, bought, I bought 40, I bought like $42 or no, I bought $47 worth for the culture. But he, but yeah, he, like, he, he, he explained it pretty well. He was like, now I get it. It's supposed to mirror Bitcoin, but if Bitcoin's up 20% and that, and you know, FBTC has a bunch of sales, like it's, it can't mirror the price because no. they still got it, you know? So it's like, so what confusing. happens is the commodity gets repriced from time to time. So what's, what you're going to play, how you're going to play this is 
Well, first of all, he doesn't need to worry about it. If he bought it, it's going to go back up to the proper price of Bitcoin soon, like by Monday or whatever. So I wouldn't worry about it. But like the play here is if you ever get this ARB opportunity where like the trust price is substantially lower than the actual price um, at any given moment, people are going to go and jump on the trust like version of it because why wouldn't you? Right. So like you're if, pretty sure they will. It yeah, will be it'll up rebound. whatever Bitcoin price yep. is. Yep. I was looking up how this works. Like it, it rebalances on certain days or whatever. Each of the trusts is slightly different. But like, yeah, they can run because they're not perfectly tied into the exact um, like BTC liquidity and whatever. They don't go one to one exactly for some reason. And they float on and off like a little bit. So it, like, and the other thing is, remember, you can't trade ETFs on the weekend, right? I mean, so. BTC moves on the weekend. It's like gold or whatever, right? Like, I don't think you, I don't know if you can buy gold ETFs on the weekend. Um, like, what is gold, you know, what yeah, is GLD, whatever, what does GLD and shit do on the weekend? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't follow that. But like, this could be interesting in that it could be people are going to speculate a little bit and they're going to be like, well, I don't want to hold my ETF holding over the weekend because like BTC might dump. And so you might see that. You know, as weekend comes along, and if the market's looking kind of iffy, you might get a discount on BTC on the ETF side, and that takes down your risk. If you like, if you're bullish and you're like, "Well, I'm just going to buy it because it's cheaper here than over there," like anytime you're going to buy BTC now, you're going to say to yourself, "Wait a minute, like, where can I get it cheaper? Can I get it better if I get an ETF, or can I get a cheaper price if I go buy spot?" So the that thing that I want thing? to, the reason I was so bullish is like, so now all these stocks brokers or whoever the sales bid for ARK and all this, like, first of all, there was a study done and it was like asking people, pension funds, people who run pension funds, people who run, um, whatever, like for, for pensions or for anything, big hedge funds, how much do you want to allocate to Bitcoin? And like, we thought it was going to be like 3%, but apparently like these people want to do like five to 8% and have BTC exposure, like five to 8%. Like imagine if 3% of pension funds were deployed to Bitcoin. Like, that's what I feel like is coming. Like, people are going to want to that number. Exposure. I don't know. Like, uh, those numbers seem astoundingly high. Like, a lot of pension funds can't put that much in. Like, they're regulated to, like, some, some of these funds are regulated in such a way that you can't put more than 1% or whatever it is in some of these things. So, but I'm not sure. The fact that now it's SEC yeah. approved and as you're able to buy this ETF, like, I feel like it's. But the percentages to- are also a thing, right? Like, so if you're a pension fund or like a, a what do you call it, like an IRA type of fund, so some of these things are federally regulated. You can't put like, like, even if you want to put like 10% Apple stock, you can't because like you have to be more diversified than that or whatever. Like, there's a minimum diversification levels for each holding that you have. So, I don't know how much that. Yeah, not sure, but like I know that for our perspective, like the way to think about this ETF thing is like, can you use it as a trading instrument or not? So if you if Friday comes along, you're like, hmm, maybe uh, look, BTC seems to be selling off here. Does that you know, people are going to have different predictions here too? Like because it's a CBOE, like which is the futures exchange, and this, if they're not open over the weekend, they represent sort of a prediction market. So let's say Friday comes along and like after hours, the price drops to like, like it did here. Um, like, like let's put the FD, FBTC up, for example. Um, I'm going to pull this up here. And um, so FBTC after hours closed at like 37.81. It's a relatively small amount of overall Bitcoin. So it may not, you know, maybe the spot price actually matters more. But eventually futures price and ETF prices may actually front run the actual real price where it becomes like a gap this situation so like 
right now between what you see on the, the, the ETF amounts and what you see in actual BTC, there's a gap here where either the ETF gets priced upwards come Monday because let's say BTC is at 42 or 43K or BTC drops to match because people sell and then because they're going to sell this and buy the ETF instead, right? So it becomes like an arbitrary opportunity and they tend to balance out eventually. Um, but early on, we might get some nice buys, like nice, um, I mean, fuck, like if you, you just got into FBTC on Friday after hours. Um, you just, you bought BTC at 37.8, right? That's pretty good. Um, you got like a five, six or 7% discount. And when you're getting a 7% discount, shit, what more do you want? Like, <laughs> like that's like a really nice, uh, like that's like free Bitcoin at that point. So definitely some, some possibilities. And I think the ETFs, what it'll do, they'll, they'll bring more volume to BTC, even if it's like not, um, like even if it doesn't like pump the price necessarily, you'll have a lot of fun opportunities um, using these tools. Um, anyway, so uh, just something to consider. And I guess like, I don't know if there's gonna be, there's gonna be places where you can like take leverage, obviously. Well, hell, I can take leverage now. So the interesting thing now is I have like this big trading account in my um, for my stocks, right? So you know the margin fees I think are like right now like eight percent I believe is the margin fee on Fidelity Money Market. Um, so if I were to sort of like borrow off my stocks and buy like a hundred k worth of Bitcoin on Monday, um, I'd be paying an eight percent um, fee for that, which is not that different from buying like a fucking uh, like a car or something at the car dealership these days. So it's not a bad uh, margin rate for buying BTC because unlike stocks, you know, BTC moves much more aggressively. So if we have a dump in BTC, like, and now I have like the ability to just take margin right off my stocks. I don't even have to like lose my stock exposure, nor do I have to lose the dividends from my stocks. Don't forget. So a lot of my stocks are at, like five to 10% dividend yield. Right. So like I'm basically getting the, the loan for free almost like to be honest with you so like i could basically go and buy btc on every dump in the etf and i think that's going to be a strong thing like like if especially if btc is uncorrelated to the rest of the market right like because btc might drop like 15 percent, and the rest of the market stays stagnant it makes a perfect buy opportunity so definitely some tricks you can use there yeah, that's why interesting I, to see what happens on monday with the price or tuesday yeah, that's why i just really tested it and i bought one share I literally just bought one FBTC share just to kind of like make sure everything works and, you know, see how the mechanics work and whatever. And then it also tags it on my portfolio so I can compare its price to the rest of the shit in my portfolio. Because what I do in my, in my stock trading portfolio is I like, okay, I have all these stocks I have, but I want to buy the one that drops the most that day. So periodically, I'll just nibble on any stock that drops the most on that particular day or week or whatever. So I just order my portfolio as in like, what has dropped the most from the top and i buy that and i and i tend to favor stuff with dividends and i tend to favor stuff with like maybe high growth potential and um and btc obviously is one of those that with the volatility you can get really nice growth right so um so i the cool thing about having it in your etf like format is you can buy and sell it without the fucking mess of grayscale the problem with grayscale was like you never know what the goddamn price of gbtc would do and for a long time, the, the GBTC ARB worked really well, but then it broke and um, like it was trading too low. So a lot of GBTC folks got screwed. And so they were waiting for this ETF so they can properly exit their fucking position after a long time. But the cool thing about having ETF is like, let's say BTC is up 20%. And like, let's say, I don't know, Exxon Mobil's down 
Well, then you just swap your <laughs> you just swap your uh, BTC to Exxon Mobil. Why? Because you got like a you know forty percent arb arb difference, and then you got like the dividend from Exxon Mobil. Now you're just making easy dividend yields. So now, do you think the ETF will trade pre market and move pre market as well? Um, it looks like that it is. Like um, it appears that like. Remember, pre-market and aftermarket are low liquidity situations. You have to activate that shit on your account. Um, so you have to be careful buying and selling any large amounts. But yeah, it's they showed like Friday after hours it traded. So yeah, it's going to trade pre, pre and aftermarket too. So you got to wake up super early in the morning to get those <laughs> get those buys because you can't put like I don't believe you can put. Um, I think you can put limit orders in typically on pre-market and aftermarket. Um, if you're like not during those hours, but otherwise I believe you can only trade during those hours. I haven't, it's been a long time since I've done any pre and aftermarket trading or something like that, but you're going to notice like, so what you should watch for is like watch FD, FBTC is a good example. Um, you should see it um, head directly for the price of BTC, like in the pre-market, whatever Monday morning's BTC prices, you should see it head there. I would imagine. Um, so, or you got to wonder if BTC will move to the market price of the ETF. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it, could, it could be. But like the thing about that is that like right now the ETF market is relatively small. Um, if anything, like let, let me see what the CME futures has on BTC. Um, so typically, like the largest trading volume for BTC tends to be the CME futures. Um, so there are many times. There's sometimes when CME futures actually out like the volume is actually higher than BTC itself. And um, so that can be like, that's why people talk about the CME gap. So like um, if there is like a big gap where, you know, BTC pops and there's a gap in the CME futures trade, then people say, okay, there's a gap here and it needs to fill and whatever. So um, I think it's the BTC F4, I believe is the code. Let me see if I can find a trading view chart of this thing. Um, BTC, CME, here we go. Futures, open interest. Um, let's see here, which one is this? There's all sorts of shit. There's a gajillion tickers in trading views. I'm not sure if I've got the right one. Let's see, all open interest. Um, no, this doesn't make any sense. I'm not sure what I'm looking at here. Um, let's see, BTC. If someone has an idea of like which ticker to follow on TradingView, help me here. There's like, there's like a million little tickers. I guess it's because of all the different like, oh, it's because of all the different levels of long and short positions. They have tons of little tickers for this. I've never used a CME, so I have no idea what I'm doing, but like, there's, I don't know. Um, anyway, but yeah, like the thing is like in reality, like following all this shit only matters if you're a day trader. Like, let's just start with that. <laughs> like at the end of the day, um, I think overthinking this stuff, there might be a way to make a little bit of profitability if you watch this stuff. But for the most part, it's not really. But I will, I will end the BTC um, discussion with just saying, I think this is very bullish for BTC that you can now buy yeah, Bitcoin yeah. on the stock exchange. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Like the people that are like, oh, it's like, this is just going to create selling pressure or some other thing. It's like nonsense. Like clearly, like, look at our conversation. It's all about how do we buy it and like how to use it. <laughs> so any volume generated on the stock exchange for BTC is a plus side.
for us. Um, and it's a plus side for the altcoin space, right? Because like the more liquidity that flows into BTC, the higher the price goes. It drags up all of the different other coins and the AMMs and, and the you know pair trading pairs and whatever. For and sure, all, all bullish. What, what Bitcoin does, like even if you're not don't care about Bitcoin, like what it does is it plays a big role in all of our bags that we have alt wise as well. Like we need yeah, Bitcoin sure. to be successful. Sure. So like it's it pulls up uh, all the bots and everything are trading and whatever. So it. it you pull up the price of BTC, it helps everything for sure. So, um, yeah, the other thing is like some of the other ETFs too, like the Ethereum ETF, you know, idea that's probably going to show up eventually. Um, there's a modest chance you're going to get Definitely. a Chainlink ETF because, you know, SEC has not really gone after Chainlink for anything so far. So their their odds of getting something approved at some point is pretty good. Um, not not that there's any rumor of any of that anytime soon. I'm just saying it's these are possibilities. So. Well, definitely. Like, so you've seen the the ET like the ETH um this ETH price pump. Like the people that played the because a lot of people were front running this Bitcoin approval, and now it seems like they're moving the ETH a little bit. Like, and they're waiting for that to start talking because I mean it's going to pump if if they if there is like a big rumor and the SEC comes out that it's like under possibilities like that's obviously a big bullish scenario so it seems like there is people yeah. moving from bitcoin to ETH. there's also an element of like dino coins and layer ones just haven't run yet and i think eth represented like the lower risk play compared to btc right because the the news for btc had already played out and so rotation has already begun into these other things like definitely so i think like um i was mentioning this earlier this morning like litecoin's looking really solid at this price um, looks like it's going to run. Um, it's like looking good on the LTC BTC chart and it's like pretty much at its bottom as far as like volume profiles concerned. So LTC is like an easy gamble here. So I don't recall, but like, so for all these halfings, like now that it's coming in, um, April, there's like the bull, like, obviously that's a good year for, um, bull market. Like does the bull market normally kick off after the halving, like right around, I believe it's in um, April. Um, it's not really so much a usual. What happened, like I talked about this this morning, like 2020, what basically happened was like, no, 2019, the pre-halving year, um, halving was like in what, April of 2020, right about there. Yeah. And what happened was, is that prices were sort of on the rise. Things were going well. The bear market capitulations were over. And things were headed up. And then, like, out of the blue in February, March, you had two things happen. One is the COVID crash, which happened right after the mi Chinese miners getting evicted, remember? So a lot of shit happened right at the same time. And you had this giga dump to, of BTC down to, like, $3,500 in March, right before the happening, which was, like, um, you know, a really strange situation. Because now, all of a sudden, you have... Miners in trouble, and you had the price to mine, you know, doubling, right? So it's like, uh oh. So it's like, is the network going to survive? Like, well, what's going to happen here? And, you know, what's going to happen to the hash rate? And it was just a bunch of, this is basically a clusterfuck. I bought around that price, around 3,500 ish, right? It's almost to the very bottom. Um, and um, just remember that time really, really explicitly, like how panicked everyone was and whatever, because um, there's just so much uncertainty regarding all that. So in that year, you have this capitulation crash right before happening. This year, instead of having bad news before the happening, we have great news before the happening. So, like, I don't think if it hadn't been for those two events, those black swan type, you know, events with the Chinese miners and the COVID thing, like BTC probably would have had an earlier bull market. Um, did the capitulation help trigger a bull market? Because, like, you know how it is when you capitulate, a bunch of new longs will come in. 
a bunch of new spot buyers will come in to buy and they're they're going to get a great ROI. So they're going to hold the fuck out of that thing, right? So sometimes capitulations like result in a bull market, right? Um, but so without a Bitcoin, capitulation. Like Bitcoin went to 16,000. Like that's not considered, like I guess because it didn't go immediately, it's not considered a capitula- capitulation. Like it, was, it, it was for sure. Like it definitely dumped um, pretty good, but it didn't dump all the way to the cost of mine though. Cost of mine at that time was 10 to 12K. So it like it did a pretty good dump off and um but it's been steadily climbing ever since, right? So it's like last what year and a half or whatever it's been climbing. This is after the you know, bottom after the FTX crash. So I think January was like sixteen thousand. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure yeah. January we've had 000. we've had no like giga capitulations, you know, where you drop fifty percent or some shit like that. Like so it may be that we won't have that anymore. That's quite possible. Um price to mine starting in April is going to be about 20 to 24 K. So if you reach that, I wouldn't be totally shocked at the same time. Like the 200 day moving average, I believe is like at 33 K right now. So that wouldn't be shocked. Did me you at just all. say that we're going to 24 K before April? Um, think that? no, I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. Like, like uh, it's not a question. It's not as important to predict exactly where shit's going to go. You should be you should sort of like set expectations of where you'd be absolutely shocked or something like that. And to me, like the price to mine is like where I would normally buy. So I'm not buying any BTC like at this point, like I have no reason to. I guess but the like, reason I question it is like, where are you positioned like stable coin wise? Like if, because if you have an idea that, you know, Bitcoin's going to go to 24,000, like what's the point of buying? I don't have coins? stables. My, my stock portfolio is up about 25%. Um, the one I started in October. Um, so, and it's, printing out dividends left and right. And so if BTC dumps, I can just trade my stock straight to the BTC ETF at that point, dump the entire part. If it goes, if BTC drops like, I don't know, 24K or below, I'll just sell fucking all my stocks and just dump them to BTC again. It's easy as that. Like, so like, I don't need to have stable coins because I make, I have dividend earning uh, stocks that I bought at the right. very bottom of the market. Right. So like everything I have is in the green. Yeah. So, I guess I'm not so worried about Bitcoin going there, but I'm worried about like our altcoin bags and like, if that were to happen, like yeah, like with, with, think mean, about this with BTC ETF. I don't need to worry about stable coins anymore. Like I don't, I don't have any stable coins almost like ever. Like I don't even hold any anymore. Why? Because like in my Fidelity uh, money market fund, um, the yield is five percent, right? Risk free yield, like in money market. So if I have cash, I can leave it right there. And if I want to buy BTC, I can buy it now right there. And Fidelity had BTC actually even before the ETF, by the way. You could just buy BTC. Yeah, they do. They actually are the only ones that custody it themselves, too. All the other ones they use. Fidelity's legit. Like Fidelity's been out this Fidelity's been out this shit for a long time with BTC. It's not new for them. Um, it's like they've been putting this shit together with custodial stuff and everything for like years and years, like back like 2019 or something. And they've been doing this a long time. So they've they've really built out good infrastructure. And then like if I want stable yield, I can get it right there. Uh, in fact, my brother, he just basically like deposits straight into his trading account from his work, like, you know, because that way he's getting yield immediately. Um, he doesn't even use his bank anymore. He uses Fidelity as his bank account, more or less. Um, the only risk factor for that is that I don't believe it's like if you're in a money market account, you're not FDA and IC insured. But Fidelity is like a fucking tank, man. Like they they've been completely rock solid for their entire existence so far. So he's not to- too worried about it. I'm going to look but, into Fidelity for a bank. That's awesome. Like I've been using the yeah, Apple you can, savings, and they're only at four point one five percent, I think. But, yeah, um, which is which is good too. Which is good. Um, yeah. but like Fidelity's good, but they have like a credit card and all that shit. Um, whatever. And the beautiful thing is, you're you're like right there where you can now trade BTC. If it drops, you can um, 
like just leave it in money market and get the yield if you want. Or like if stock market takes a dump, you're right there and you just go click a button. Now you're, you know, owning whatever. So it's a good balance to me. And now like the cool thing is like if BTC takes a dump and the rest of the stock market is doing great, like I'm comfortable if I like, let's say I'm comfortable like, like selling because like I don't worry about the short-term capital gains or something, then dumping money into BTC becomes really easy, right? So you don't have to transfer cash over to somewhere else and then wait for the clearing and then wait for the fucking stocks to clear and all this other bullshit. In a margin trading account, the cool thing is like there's no clearance time. So if I jump, if I dump all my stocks today in my margin account and I get credit for it, I don't have to like, there's no day trading rules or any of that shit at that point. Um, I can basically convert that by BTC right away with um, FBTC and um, take advantage of that dip if like if it arrives. So all you have to do is set some alarms for yourself. Like, wait a minute, like what price of BTC would I be willing to buy? If it's like, okay, I'll buy a little bit at like, if it goes to 200 day moving average at 33K, I'll buy a fuck ton if it goes to the cost of mine, like at 20 to 24K. And if it never reaches there, who gives a shit? You still have your stocks, right? Like you still have your cash or whatever. Like, this idea that you're going to miss some kind of like YOLO type of thing um, is is like, you know, you don't have to worry about that kind of shit. Like either you, either you get it or you don't, no big deal. But like we got tons of alts that are going to do way better. Like so like, here's the thing. Like if the market dumps, like I have the ability to buy a ton of BTC in the ETF right away, right? If the market pumps, well, my alts are going to fucking 10x anyway. So who gives a shit, right? So like, like it's like a win-win at that point. And so um, you th- 24 grand to mine a bitcoin right now now when this halving happens does not that now it goes after up? after having it's 24 grand okay so that means it's right, now, grand right now right now it's only like 10 to 12 to mine a uh-huh. bitcoin yeah it's not, not very high so this is why like um you know when i bought last time i started buying under 20k um so i picked up some at um 20 then at 19 18 17 16 i just scaled in all the way down and then I sold my BTC at like 27K and I bought Chainlink at seven bucks or six bucks or something. Uh, of course, that 2X, so that did fine. And it's still at a 2X from that price. So actually, I'm doing better having converted Chainlink than I would have if I stayed in BTC. So that's so just you think, you think hash rate is a pure correlation with the price and it's pretty much should be where it not, is today? Not pure, but like it's a uh, so back in uh, 20. 18 to 2020 um hash the cost to hash did not serve as a floor for btc btc routinely dumped below the cost of mine um it would go like cost of mine used to be like six thousand, and btc dumped to three thousand. right it was fucking mess like like you couldn't use it at all and then this most recent bear market the price of btc did not drop to the cost of mine which which was like 10 to 12K, it only dropped to like, what, 15, 16, right? Remember that? So like, it seems like finally BTC is pricing in a like speculative multiple on top of the cost of mine, which makes sense considering how scarce it's becoming, right? So eventually the cost of mine should not necessarily um, flow in this way, but think about it this way. If you could get one BTC um, and you could mine it cheaper, what you would mine it right like however if you could just simply pay one b pay money for btc and get it you'd rather do it that way right so like you have to think about it from a miner's perspective when are they going to buy they're going to buy 
Bitcoin direct if it costs less to buy BTC than it costs to mine it. And if like the cost of um, a BTC is way higher than the price to mine, especially if they're on, they borrowed money to buy their mining devices, they're going to want to sell their Bitcoin. So the cost to mine does matter at some level, like because it affects miner behavior. Right. That's oh, the for sure. They're definitely selling into like they have to support their expenses. You know, they have I mean? to but... support their expenses. Exactly. So like there's got to be a like some level of effect there. But like, you know, from a speculative perspective, obviously it can pump way higher. But think of it like P to E ratios. Right. Like companies have price to earnings and P.E. ratios sometimes will be like Apple right now, at 30. Right. Or Tesla at 70. And other times when the market crashes, you'll see those price to earnings like ratios drop to like. 10 or 15 or whatever, right? Same concept here. And um, like the more people expect like high growth in the future, the higher the speculative multiples will be above the cost to mine. And now, if people cor- don't expect a lot of growth, then of course it'll be low. Does this correlate with like gold, like the cost to mine gold and the price for gold, like per ounce? Like, is this kind people, of the same thing with that? So this was like the whole thing. Remember that like account 100 million or 100 trillion uh, BTC was what's his name's like? Twitter account, and he did the whole stock to flow ratio. And he's like, yeah, "Yeah." like the amount of like new stock coming into the market is going to have eventually some role and blah, blah, blah. And he predicted like BTC would already be at like whatever 200K right now or whatever it was. And and the stock to flow model never really kind of like predicted within that, like within a four year cycle, it didn't actually predict any targets, which, you know, made everyone pissed off at him and like, Oh, I bought BTC because you said it was going to go to such and such. It didn't. And everyone fucking got angry at the dude. And I don't know if he's still posting, but like, then he blocked a bunch of people. I'm not sure why. I used to follow his work quite closely. I used to think it was quite interesting. I like, you know, the stock to flow of Bitcoin, stock to flow of gold. I believe in 2028, I believe stock to flow of Bitcoin, if I remember, ends up becoming like uh, four times higher than gold or something. I don't remember what the number was, but the point is like, from a scarcity perspective, if you believe that plays a role, and it probably does at some level, either a meme effect or like a real effect, right? Then by 2028, by next happening, like you're extraordinarily scarce, like in new stock to flow, new stock coming in or new flows coming in compared to existing stock. So I have an example of that, what you just said. So Michael Saylor, I'm sure you know him, obviously, he uh, buys yeah, a lot yeah. of for MicroStrategy. But anyway, what... um. He bought, let's say you bought 1500 Bitcoin last month. Mm-hmm. That is more than is going to be able to be mined from the year like um, 2031 to. Your connection's slipping a little bit, Star. I think your voice just cut out there. But I think is what he's saying is like. The amount microsellers buying is more than that the amounts being mined. So obviously he's um talked you back yet. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're back now. Yeah, you're right, yeah. so yeah. He's what buying I was, more than it's being mined. Not yet, but like so what he bought last month from the year twenty thirty to twenty thirty-five, there won't even be that many being minted in that time frame than what he bought last month alone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, Drew, take over. I'm going to step down, but thanks for the talk. It's been a good time. Oh yeah, good, uh, good hanging out, man. Um, but yeah, the stock to flow ratio concept. Like, there's some pictures. Uh, there's some websites and things that show some pictures of this. But basically, like they they've modeled like the stock to flow of gold and some other things. Um, and um, 
you know, like basically by 2028, you're like so much more scarce in terms of new flows of Bitcoin compared to existing stock that theoretically this should create like, um, you know, a, a price pump, so to speak. Now, the reason why that doesn't completely work is because like there's more dynamics in the real universe and stock to flow. And the, and the important distinction here is that like when there are futures contracts like CME contracts and there's things like um, not so much the ETFs because you're buying spot gold, but e futures contracts implies, number one, you can create an infinite number of futures contracts. Think about that. So the more money that goes into futures contracts versus real Bitcoin does not affect the price of Bitcoin on exchanges. And what it does is it creates just a prediction market with a gigantic amount of money flows, but it doesn't actually help the price of BTC. Maybe it creates attention and maybe later it does, but like it doesn't create immediate effect. So the futures markets, interestingly, are um, taking a lot of the thunder away from BTC. Um, and really, ever since the CME futures market opened, like at the top of the 2017 bull market, um, like BTC has never gone back, like it's never pumped that much again. In fact, if you look at the amount of like M1 and M2 currency on the on float and like Jack has put an article, like a chart about this and he compared BTC compared to how much dollar is actually inflation has happened. BTC has actually not ever passed its all time high of 2017. If you, if you can include inflation and M1, M2 circulation currency, right? Cause the, a lot of dollars are printed in that time frame, right? A whole lot. So BTC is actually are, are double stocked. Are you mm -hmm. saying on like a logarithmic chart, it hasn't passed its, its prior high? Or are you saying just- No, relative really to how much currency has been printed. So in dollar value, obviously it has, but if you compare it to like the actual true value of the dollar, because you know, you like, because the dollars, you're printing a lot of dollars, right? BTC is basically tripled, not even triple topped. It actually, the, the 2017 cycle was like, um, like that top has not ever been revisited if you include like how much inflation's actually happened. Does that make sense? Like BTC should be worth way more. It should be worth like, I don't know, 200K now because of inflation, but it hasn't done that. So BTC's performance actually has been quite frankly terrible. Like unless you bought the bottoms of BTC and like sold the tops, like if you just hodled, you didn't do that great. Like it's not compared to how much speculative asset it is. Um, it sounds weird, but like inflation has been very heavy since 2017 until now, right? Yeah, well, that actually sounds bearish as hell. I mean, do you think the ETF, it is bearish? Yeah, it is. ETF uh, changes that narrative, or um, yeah, like I mean, if you can get lots of inflows and we can get BTC to like, I don't know, fucking 200k or something, then you start to catch up, right? But like so far, BTC has not performed good enough as a store of value asset unless you bought it exponentially so if you do it how i do it which is like you buy it heavier on the way down a dynamic dca it is the only way to buy btc if you're not doing it this way then fuck it you shouldn't even be playing with it honestly because you're not going to get that much gain out of it right because it's like if you look at the inflation over since 2017 till now how it's, it's a lot right so what jack has point posted is like you can find it on his uh, twitter thing or whatever is he posted like the chart, but relative to the M1, M2 currency, as opposed to just simply this, the straight dollar value. Because remember, your purchasing power of your dollar has gone down in since 2017, right? So even if you go from 2017 peak of 20K 
to a 20, 21, 20K, um, that's not the same thing. Like, you, you, you know, you had to get to like 25K in order to just get net even. Because remember, a lot of time is passing between these bull markets, right? So, so some things that Bitcoin has not done well, one is it didn't conform to the stock to flow ratio as much as one people thought it would. That may be because of the futures products. And the second thing it didn't do was it didn't uh, grow relative to inflation as much as it should have compared to like some stocks and things in that time period. So if you it, like if yeah, if you bought BTC perfectly, like at the bottoms, yeah, you did great, right? Like you bought it at 3K, you bought it at $3,500, you bought it at maybe 17K, whatever that was. Yeah, you did well. But if you didn't catch those bottoms, um, then your performance has been somewhat mediocre for the amount of volatility you're facing, right? Because like, think about this. If you bought BTC at 40 and it dipped to 20 and you had to wait for it to come back to 40 again, your money was dead until it came back, right? It wasn't doing anything. It wasn't giving you yield. It wasn't uh, like you bought at the bottom of the stock market and now you have like really high dividend ratios compared to your stock price or whatever. Like, yeah, it's been mediocre, honestly. Like the best plays have been basically if you bought altcoins during the bear market, like that's been the alpha pretty much, right? Outside of that or BTC at the bottom of the bear market. But um, yeah, you like it doesn't make sense to DCA into too much crypto once you're sort of mid market, unless you really have your trigger finger to sell, right? Like <laughs> you're not going to want to like buy midway up the market and then face like your shit going down in a bear market. And I think people are going to be more savvy to that as time goes on. Would you like, consider this uh, midway through the market? Or no, no, no. Still? This is really, really early still. Now, <laughs> now, granted, like some altcoins have like 10x already, right? So Or more. So yeah, it depends on that. it depends on the coin you're talking about. Like in, in essence, if you've like 20x already on something, then you probably ought to be cycling that into something that's really, really low, like Litecoin. Yeah, Rune Rune was my was my best uh, best for sure. I DCA down the whole way through. Uh, All the way through, yeah. So good. Twenty twenty two and good, good, good. Yeah, like I would say, like right now, like let's say you have something that's already ten x, and you're like, I want to get another five x off that money. It's like way easier to do that with fucking like Litecoin right now than it is to do it in anything you're already in, because like you want something at the very very bottom that hasn't moved at all. And who, so that it represents a store of value, so you don't lose much money, you don't lose much of your money, and the upside is still there, right? Like that's a very key thing, and this is why you see these rotations happen in crypto. You'll see stuff. You're like, you're like, oh fuck, I wasn't paying attention to Litecoin or Dogecoin, and now it's running. What were I doing all that time? Because two, it's like, two thirds of my rotations uh, this this bull run have, have fucked yeah. me. So I'm I'm a, I'm on a net loss, which but, you, but oh man, so see you see what I'm talking about. Like, rotations <laughs> yeah, will fuck you if you if you're not careful. Like yeah, because whatever's running and whatever's popular on Twitter, that shit is like usually too late to some extent. Yeah. You need to go. What you almost want to do is go like literally go on TradingView and like go to CoinGecko simultaneously and simply go screen them based on like which coins are the down most from their top still and which ones like haven't run yet. Um, and like, you know, Doge and Litecoin are perfect examples of this and go, wait, I've already gained a lot in these other things over here. Maybe I just want another 3X or something and I'm going to be happy with my money. Yeah, you see, you know. I just I just did that the other day with Neon, which granted has had a, a huge pump, mm. but it's got a great narrative. Um, I saw it dipping. It was was it like a 
35% dip down to a dollar or down to one and a half cents or something like that. Whatever. Um, threw a whole bunch in um, that I, I rotated out of. Uh, I can't even remember what I rotated it out of. And then the shit continued to dump all the way down to, uh, I think it was at like point, it was like one, like one cent, just over yeah. a cent. Not like, uh, it, uh, unbelievably shitty feeling <laughs> but this is this is why i like this is why i like zephyr a lot here because it's like yeah at this price the odds of getting a 10x are very good right never guaranteed but very good and the odds of getting actually a 20x or 100x is out there and so if i just really wanted to huddle the thing um you know and and most of the like downside has been squeezed out of it because it's already down 70 percent. it's we're in a bull market it's consolidated so that's why you want to pick the shit it's like at like this netherworld support, right? Like they really dumped and um, the, the, the upside to downside ratio is better, right? Yeah, Just I've, been risk thinking, reward. I've been thinking about that too. I, I see this 10X being realistic and, and I'd love the 20, you know, um, obviously. But well, 10X would I, put it like at, um, from here, we're only talking about like a million. Yeah, yeah 500 million market cap. For proof of work and for this kind of hash rate, it's very feasible, right? Yeah. The, the um, problem is people's people's hesitancy with, with privacy tokens. So you're almost reliant on the privacy community. So I, I feel like in order for like a catalyst for it to get higher would be in a Now, I don't know about, I don't get. think there's going to be reluctance so much. I think it's just nobody knows it exists. So right well, now I, the I mean, thing you is. see all these Monero people on Twitter responding to Zeph posts like, oh, fuck that, I've got Monero, you know. Like, like really, I haven't seen Monero. any Monero posts at all. Like, I haven't seen like I don't know that anybody on Monero posts anything on XMR. Do they? Like, do you follow any XMR accounts? I'm, like, I'm gonna this? have to. I'm gonna have to start saving a couple of them. I haven't seen them. Yeah, forward the thing. I'd like to follow some of these folks that are like XMR lovers. But Absolutely, but, but I haven't seen almost was, any traction on XMR as far as like social that's why media I was stuff. So, uh, um, uh, intrigued by the Sarai Dex response saying that they'd be happy to integrate Zeph and that they're they're watching it because I, I feel like it gives like so many of these people with Monero bags like they're they're never never going to report their shit and the chances of them of them taking their money over to a sex to um exactly to the USDT is slim right if so you're an like, x if you're an XMR whale or a Zeph whale why in the hell would you want yeah. to go and like pay like go go cash out somewhere and it's, get that monitor exactly right so so oh. I, I was thinking like like an an outflow from XMR into Zeph would be if they had a DEX integration like that. So something mm -hmm. like Sarai, which Thorchain actually just mentioned the other day. Yeah, um, yeah, they mentioned it, yeah. Which is awesome. But So whether they do or not, though, the thing is, like, um, you know, if you look at proof of work, the reality is that you can get to, like, 500 mil market caps relatively easy. Um, in fact, we got a third of the way there already, right, on the way up. Um, and then you can get to things like, Billion dollar market caps a little bit harder. Um, getting to three billion market cap, of course, Caspa just did it, so it's very feasible. Um, and if it, it would be concerning if like the hash rate wasn't growing, but the hash rate is just giga sending. Like someone posted just now, like it almost hit three giga hash per, per second already today. So it's like really, really like attracting some people that are hodling these coins probably that are bought like who the hell is mining this to sell them right now you have to be a moron right so almost everyone's probably hodling them um for much higher levels and um that's very common with uh it's the same it's like the exact chart is gaspa i mean if By you're way, you know, what 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 kind of rig did you uh 
did you get to mine this? Because I'm definitely interested. Um, the best one is pretty much the AMD 7950. Okay. Um, if you want to like, so it's, you want to have a future working mind. computer. Yeah. Do you want a computer that like is not obsolete anytime in the next 10 years? Or do you want something that's just like the cheapest to form? Probably, probably, probably cheapest at this point. I mean, I mean, I'm because the other thing too is if you have a computer you can actually sell, you'll probably get like at least fifty percent of your value back on your device too, right? So it depends on what you're trying to do. But um, I think the seventy nine fifty coupled with an AMD five series motherboard um, mm -hmm. and like um, DDR, it's basically DDR. What is it? Five RAM with like six thousand megahertz. That's what you want. Dual channel. About 32 gig, and that pretty much covers it. And it, it runs you about like I don't know, like $900 to build that particular device. You can build a device for like I think 450 or below using the previous chipset, which would be the AMD 4 motherboard coupled with a um, AMD like I think it's like a 4000 series chip. I forget the exact number, but a lot of guys got that one. And uh, you could basically build two miners for the price of one if you do that. But um, it's a little bit less, maybe electric, if electricity efficient, or whatever. But the AMD seventy nine fifty is a great chip, though. I mean, it's running very good, really cool, and um, overclocks a little bit, and the RAM also overclocks a little bit, and and um, it's yeah, pretty smooth so far. But anyway, hey, I, I, I did I did it this way so that if I want to sell my rig at some point or want to use this computer five years from now for something else, then it'll be really really capable, right? Yeah. So that's why I have, have a macro question too. Uh, so the narrative I've heard for like the last I don't know, six months has been that this is, this is basically like the last big bull run, right? The last time you're going to see like an incredible, like 50 X's, hundred X's on, on some of these altcoins. How, how exactly does that work? Like what, how does, uh, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I mean, is it is it on the assumption that maybe BTC doesn't do its its standard, you know, seventy five to eighty five percent dump, and it maybe yeah, fifty percent dump from the top? Or? If if BTC doesn't attract as much speculation, if ETH doesn't attract as much speculation, um, if growth is going to be a lot slower, and therefore like it takes more years to sort of like get a benefit instead of like a two year bull run. Um, yeah, there could be a lot of different reasons why that could occur, and markets typically do become more stable as they mature. Um, so, I, you know, like yeah, so so everybody's been pointing out the log curve for gold after the ETF and using that as uh -huh. a comparison for Bitcoin. And I get it, but it's I mean, it, it is a little bit more spe speculative, you know. Yeah, well, if it giga if we giga spend this year, um, then what you do is you basically sell all your shit and you park it in like I don't know yield earning like stocks or something and then you just wait there and then like whatever dip it ha the market has or whatever you know and you ride through another bear market or whatever and then you buy back some shit when you have the opportunity but you know won't there there'll be new tokens all the time though right so there'll yeah, be new narratives that, new tokens point, and how is all that. how is it any different than purchasing penny stocks you know i mean if not it's, yeah well it's that it's the same now right like you could buy penny stocks now if you wanted to as well yeah so and it's not like in the stock market you can't make mega gains. Like shit, you could go take on leverage and go nuts in the stock market, right? So you could do all sorts of speculative shit there too. Um, I think the question in people's minds is like when more chains start arriving and block space becomes like really, really like um, very cheap, you know, at some point is it like 
you know, and, and liquidity becomes super fragmented and people are buying all, you know, millions of chains and whatever. Like, how do you attract attention to your one chain that's going to giga pump? That becomes the biggest question at that point, right? So it's the like fragmentation of attention and the fragmentation of liquidity, both that become like, make it harder for a giga bull run probably. And if people can't figure out what to buy, guess what? They don't buy anything. Like, right? Like how many penny stocks have you bought lately? None. Yeah. Why? None. Because you don't know what the fuck to buy. That's exactly that. <laughs> that's what happens. And um, so, yeah, like too many choices is problematic and too few choices is problematic. Um, and I'm already feeling like people are in the too many choices category now, right? Like, like yeah, dude, I've, I've got uh, I've got probably one percent of your your portfolio value distributed across like in excess of of twenty tokens, which feels really yeah. stupid, man. But you know, well, I'm in about like yeah, twelve to twenty myself. I think that's fine. That's about a good number, I think. Um, what's because what's your, because, it's, what's because it is hard about? because it is harder to figure out what's going to pump the most. It's fine if only a few of your things 10x and some of them just sit and do nothing, right? Because then at least you're getting something out of it. Um, so that's fine. Yeah. I mean, the real problem, though, is if we have a blow off top in 2024 and I have to pay short term capital gains tax, that's going to be absolutely miserable. A blow off top this early, man. Geez, like, um, I, don't, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> so, so, you're to... in, so your inclination is more 2025 that we're going to hit. Yeah, I mean, like, there's almost no retail crowd here yet. Like, none. Like, you, you don't see anybody. You don't see advertising yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Well, they, they still have to for, forget their pain from 2025. Yeah, remember That's the Coinbase why. app is, like, fucking 26 in the finance, you know, like, rankings and shit. Like nobody's here yet. Like, and, and maybe nobody will come. That's that's the scary part. The disbelief phase for me is like, wait a minute. Like, uh, is all the retail people coming to pump our bags later, or are they not actually showing up later? Yeah, yeah are we gonna <laughs> top, are we gonna top out at eighty five k Bitcoin? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are people yeah. gonna be like afraid to shill their shit like with their coworkers because of what happened to all the different exchanges last year? FTX, Voyager, Celsius, BlockFi, like just wreckage all of Luna, UST, and a whole bunch of other things that wrecked, right? Yeah. So like, you know, if you told your friends about some shit and it dumped last year, how comfortable are you about telling about something now? So people eventually come out of their shell. And if people start asking, hey, are you guys getting into crypto again or whatever, then you know we're starting. And even after you start hearing whispers of that, it takes about a year for, because remember, like a lot of the retail folks only show up after they feel like their riches are almost guaranteed. Like they're, they're, they're seeing things pop off green left and right. And all their friends are talking about crypto and then they show up. Um, so yeah, people tend to do that. Even people who've been in crypto do that, man. Like they're like, Oh, fuck. well, listen, man, the, the I, I should have bought BTC. Last two bull runs, that was me. I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, of course. Exit liquidity. I, I oh, bought sure. my first ETH um, at the end of 2017, watched it go up to, it was 1600. First, first bull run, you'll buy too high and you'll get oh, miserable. I still, I still got a positive return on that one, but this, this last time around, I was looking at Ethereum in March of, of 2020 when it tanked down. To, it was 92.50. Uh huh. Um, then I looked at a whole bunch of stocks that lost all their value, and I, I like, I knew it was going to shoot back up in a V pattern, right a after COVID. Um, ah, so I, I threw a bunch of money in there. I was a little skeptical, and sure, yeah, too, too late too late again so this is this is the earliest i've been for sure yeah this happens every time like it's like uh and then during bear markets like the sense is oh these things are never going to go up again right like they keep 
they keep dipping, they keep dipping. I keep buying and they keep going down. They do that for a year, year and a half. Yeah, the, the, sent, the sentiment at 15.5 for Bitcoin was uh, uh, maybe we're going to hit 12 or maybe nine, you know, and then. Oh, yeah, because that, like, was, well, the, that was the cost free, to mine. Sailors, yeah, sailors liquidated, but like it so consistently has those higher bottoms, like it follows the log chart so consistently. I mean, it's it's almost like you can, you know. Yeah, it's like, wh- wh- where's a discount? A discount is like, I don't know, 70% down from the top. So that's a discount in, he- in people's minds. So that's when they'll start picking it up. Yeah, but now the fear is that we're not going to have that, right? Because if people start start hodling that in, in retirement funds. Uh, which, is, which is fine. Like, so many altcoins are down low enough to where it's worth picking them up. Like, Chainlink's a great example. Like, it barely has moved yet. Like there's no, like it's relatively low risk here. We're talking about it's like 14 bucks. It was like what seven during most of the bear market. Like what a two X get out of here. It's like not even anything. Yeah, yet. Dude, people are so frustrated with length. It's ridiculous, man. Even nah, it's just getting, no, it's because they've been watching other shit like injective or something. Yeah, or Metis. Metis. I yeah. bought some Metis when it was, when it was 32 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, no, when you talk like, and you have to cap compare apples to apples too, like lower market cap stuff pumping. Um, is not the same as a larger cap doing the same thing. So, um, yeah, but, but my point is, like, there's still plenty of upside left in a lot of things. Um, you just don't want to chase the shit that's already gone up too much. Hey, hey Sethi, I got a quick question on that point. Yeah. Um, when you were talking about, like, rotating over to ones that haven't pumped, like Doge or whatnot. Do you – how do you um, take that into account with, like, some of these chains, like Injective or – Kuji or some of these other ones that have like uh, confirmed airdrops. Like, how do you weigh the the, oh. the potential impact of like the ones that haven't moved yet versus ones that have really enticing airdrops? Oh man, um, that can vary a lot. Like, the value of airdrops and like how much those are going to go up if you get them is always like unknown. <laughs> like, I don't really know. Um. um like yeah i mean i'm not really holding anything particularly for airdrops like i'm not worried about it too much um like if i was buying injective now you know like i bought it at 25 bucks or whatever like you know could you expect like maybe a 3x or something maybe right like but i don't think you'd go too much more than that um really simply like if you want high upside like you should be focusing on stuff probably that looks strong that's maybe like sub 100 mil market cap or right thereabouts if you're trying to like just simply so you have to decide for yourself are you trying to be safe or are you trying to be like all in risk and you're like fuck it like it's like valhalla or zero kind of thing and i think you have to like where what are you in this camp are you in the like high risk medium risk or low risk in your mind with your money like how much what are you trying uh, i would to probably do? say like medium medium yeah if you're in the medium level i would say uh so to me like the my low risk play is um at these price levels would be like adam uh low risk in terms of downside is link low risk is a litecoin a dogecoin these are all things that have really like pulled back nicely and really like you know i've sort of i bought a lot of these things this week because they are in um like, you know, my downside's limited and my upside's substantial still for the next two years. Um, if you're talking about, like, higher risks, you're talking about stuff that, like, has already pumped a lot. Um, so high risk in the sense that, like, they're fine, but, like, you should be prepared for 
crazy downside. And cause some of those things will happen is, is like they've run already for a year. Will they continue to run for the rest of the bull market or people will be like, fuck this. I'm going to cycle into something that hasn't run. You could be just dragging for a year, like where they correct. Whereas you thought they were going to keep on just going up. That's a possibility. Um, so, and then if you got like really high risk, like if you go to the like high risk zone, it'd be like the very micro cap shit, like, you know, 50 million market cap or below a Zephyr, things like that, where, you know, you don't know how many people are going to show up to buy this thing. You don't know how many exchanges going to show up on tons of unknowns and whatever. Right. And you go, okay, like I want that very high upside. And so I'm just going to grab more of these micro caps. Um, we talked about some of those today, like, um, uh, that were much lower actually. So some of the micro caps have already pumped. That's the problem. So now it's like micro caps that were running from like October till now are basically consolidating and you'd have to scale into them. Um, unless you know of one that is like fully corrected, like I think AI PG or whatever, like some, one of the ones people are shilling the AI power grid or some bullshit. I don't even know if it's good or not. No idea. I just know people shilled it a lot. It's pulled back down to hits like breakout level. So that'd be an example of something. If you believed in it, you might get some. But again, the problem with microcaps is like they're highly dependent on whatever shill cartel you got going on with them. So it's like if you don't have a lot of shillers um, or maybe those initial shillers have like fucking bought it and exited, then you have to ask yourself, like, who's going to pump this for you? Right. Because advertising is the big thing with crypto. Um, if someone's not like talking about it day in, day out for the next like year or two, then who the hell is going to be like pumping this thing for you? Right. So. So microcaps, the problem I don't think necessarily is even in the quality of the project, which, you know, you don't want some rug pull, like you want a half decent project, but you don't know what the shill cartel is going to look like. So in microcaps, what I would suggest is like, maybe if you want to be like, you know, careful, you would buy like 10 different ones, like spread it out so that um, like, even if one of them hundred X's, right? It, like you've done fantastic. So like, like if you have a thousand bucks in each micro cap, one of them goes to hundred K. Well, great. You've won. And if the other ones did fucking nothing, right. Or went to zero, you've lost like nine K or 10 K, right. You see how that works. So like you just need to sort of increase yeah, okay. the probability of a big multiple on those micro caps. And, uh, and that would be the like diversification manner to expose yourself to high risk. I think my highest risk stuff right now would be like, like in terms of like low caps would be Astroport. Um, I've got like, uh, of course, Zephyr, I've got, um, my like autism or whatever I've got, um, what else? Um, I've got like Kuji, Luna, these are all like 500 mil market cap and below. And, um, I've got enough bags of those things that it's like, okay, I'm comfortable. Um, so I've got like four or five in the like mid to low market cap numbers. Do you have any Manta? I do not. I'm not buying. I have not been buying any like sub token. I don't even know what Manta does. I keep hearing about it. It's on Kujira, but I don't know what it does. But like, I haven't really messed around with um, various tokens on those ecosystems because they tend to have like really high team ownership in a lot of these things. They have like really wicked pump and dump fundamentals where it's like they'll pump once and never pump again. Um, type coins so like you'd have to be very very careful with those and um, i just don't have the mental bandwidth to follow those little micro caps honestly like 
like the the DAP tokens and shit, right? Like I'm just not interested. Um, I have rarely been successful in those two, by the way. Like um, if I was like really, really early and I was really aggressive in selling, but the problem is like I'd rather buy something and hold it than I'm optimistic that it's a good project than like have to watch the fucking chart to the extent that I have to click trigger and sell exactly when, you know, I'm in perfect profit or whatever. And I don't know, it's, it's a thing. Um, you, you need to monitor those carefully if you use them or have a place where you can do limit orders, like where you can like, okay, I have this amount. I want it to sell at a two X and I just want to exit and you can put an order in and leave it there. Right. So, um, yeah. And then also just the fucking tax recording of all those little random de dexes and shit. I'm not doing that anymore tired of that nonsense way too much tax work and i think a lot of people are going to feel the same way so the caution with various microcaps would also be that like whales are less and less interested as the tax consequences get bigger and bigger in terms of reporting requirements or whatever and um, it makes me nervous for those little microcaps like if you can't hook up coinly to your fucking exchange and like get your tax done then be wary of what you're buying uh, unless you just don't care about that sort of stuff. I mean, to be fair, if you're buying small amounts, the IRS doesn't give a shit about your $50, you know, man to buy or whatever, right? Like if you're buying a, a 10,000 bucks worth or more and um, you, you're you're, you're going to start getting nervous, especially if it goes up a lot, you're going to be like, wait a minute, the thing went up to a million dollars. Now I'm like, fuck, now I got to figure out taxes. I didn't record all this stuff and whatever else. And so um, what you end up doing is paying cost basis zero and just paying the entire amount as taxable income. Um, if that happens. So, um, yeah, so be, be careful or keep records or something, but like, I don't know. I'm not interested in all those little, little micro cap micro tokens personally, not to say that they won't go up. They probably will. I, I miss out a lot of upside and a lot of things, by the way, like that's just normal. Um, there's a lot of things I just, just can't be bothered with them. <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah, is anything else on Kuji coming that's interesting or what? Like, you think their tokens are worth something? What does Manta even do, for that matter? I don't even know. I mean, I haven't bought any. I was thinking about staking for the airdrop, but... Uh, I mean, oh, staking Kuji for the Manta airdrop? Yeah, so all, all the marketing has been um, competing with... The what does it do? Like, it's a of Ethereum Layer 2s. I think it's its own its own ecosystem on, on Layer 2 with the... Ah, oh, Jesus, man. Right, right when I'm put on the spot, I can't. It's a layer two ecosystem on top of Kuji. Is that what it is? Like, yeah. Like, does it need a layer two? Like, why? Like, the layer one's barely used yet. It's very funny. Honestly, man, I'm not sure Kuji's. Everyone wants. Everyone wants to produce some coin about something, right? Like, that's the whole game. <laughs> Here, maybe Rio knows. Uh, Rio, do you know what the the story is with this Manta thing? Or yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Okay, yeah, it, it's a. Uh... It's it's basically a uh, swap uh, kind of dex aggregator, and it uses multiple routes on Fin, so you get the best possible uh, price. Um, it's uh, but does this thing need a token? Like, what is that all about? Well, the, the other part of it is it's doing a uh, protocol and liquidity, so it's swapping uh, Manta tokens for. For other tokens, I think uh, they did one with Whale. I think they did one with uh, Roar. Um, there's a few other ones that they okay. They've done. But do you so, intend to buy the token for this thing or what? Yeah, so I, I got some um, just because uh, you know the the treasury's uh, getting kind of nice and it's uh, it's working. 
pretty well Kajira to uh, bring liquidity onto the Fin order book, onto the uh, Kajira ecosystem. So it's pretty. I feel uh, the desire to speak. Huh? Ah, Bruce. May I make an announcement? Your yes. The announcement. So yeah, it's which pretty syn synergistic with uh, Kajira. Okay. The announcement, um, which might shock people here, is I gave uh, autism to many, many people. And among the small percentage of dumpers was the Manta founder. He dumped everything immediately. Really? <laughs> yep. So that might uh -oh. be a good character insight into your uh -oh. fate. By the yeah. way, guy with, guy with millions of dollars. So. I'm not buying any Manta token then. Because if he's going to dump the little bit of autism he got, like he's going to dump on you. Well, I mean, like, I mean, just like a, a a Christmas gift, dumped it all for no reason. Yeah, very um, that's successful good. guy as well. Not not necessary. Uh, but but uh, other example, Dove Kujira is super generous and also didn't dump anything. Distributed it. Yeah, I don't think anyone I gave any to has dumped theirs. I don't think, but I'm not hundred percent sure. I didn't look carefully. Like Chango got some, and like who else got some? I don't know. I'm always looking for people. Anyway, so I, I reckon, but I reckon the uh, the the I'm I'm sort of framing autism as a virtue layer, right? It's not that the the token does anything or wants to achieve anything or becomes anything. It's more that it's data to assess the character of people i.e. their willingness to distribute it to others, um, their willingness to hold it, their willingness to dump it or whatever. And I reckon it is pretty potent as that. Like you could, like what I'm doing now is I'm developing a full karmic system. So um, a number of people got gifted it. Like I, I think the right framing is a gift to start with. A number of people got gift, although no one person got over like 0.1% of total supply. It was generally very small gifts. Um, and then those- You know what you should do? Out more. I'm thinking about this like a bit. Maybe what you should do is like stick some in a like a community pool, and then yeah. do like a like a like a pseudo staking type of thing where people can lock it up for like I don't know a year or two years or something. You know, whatever mm -hmm. how much they feel like it. I think I have and, some better, better ideas, but yeah. But that's it's just one of the things that people could do if they would like, um, or like I don't know maybe with like warp protocol or something. Maybe it's possible to create a system over time that if someone comes and like pledges their loyalty, clicks a button, they can basically get their, um, like, so let's say I wanted to do, like, I wanted to give uh, tokens to like, let's say 10 people. And those 10 people would need to come to the warp protocol site and like do an action there every so often to claim their tokens. Uh, like to distribute them over time, for example, that way it's not like an all in one type of thing. There might be some interesting ways to distribute to where like mm. it doesn't create instant dumping pressure and it and it creates a commitment on the part of either the person giving it away or the person who wants it to kind of spend some time on it maybe i don't know i think in i think in some ways it was kind of a victim of its own success as in the airdrops were pretty tiny to start with but then they, they became like fifteen thousand dollars at a certain point um which was way too much obviously uh when you hand people that amount out of zero out of like nowhere they, they yeah. do tend to dump um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if it's like, oh, my, my, my gift you gave me is worth twenty grand. It's like, um, it starts to look like, especially yeah. for someone who's that's a lot of money for, it. Like that makes it, you know, it's like, oh, 
I should probably sell this now for some, you know, I don't know if this Bruce guy is going to be around, but like, he might be my friend. He might not, but like, I'm just going to take this money and run. Well, (laughs) many people cashed in the the friendship. That's for sure. But the total dump amount was less than 5% or so, which was interesting as well. Like it really was pretty low considering the amount of money we were dealing with at certain points. Um, I yeah, think and if some, I was of the, to... some of the value of the token also was like people that just legitimately just went and paid cash for it, obviously. So yeah, it's not like all of it was dumping because all of the pump wasn't also from anything. It was like organic yeah, that, too. That, that'd be me. I bought some, I think on, what was it, like December 17th, about like $1,500 worth. Um, what, what's, what's the measuring stick for that then if, if we weren't gifted and we're just, just hodling it? Um, if, if you just bought, that's like even better karma. What if, uh, what if I was a belligerent sycophant in my DMs to you? Uh, negative karma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. a belligerent sycophant. <laughs> I like that term. Negative. Uh, um, I think I've, I've come up with like a load of different models if I was to run it back. And even, even if I do it now, it might be a different model. So here's one of the models. Um, Imagine you go to the autism website and you have to connect your Twitter, right? So Sefi connects his Twitter, verifies that he owns the the Sefi Twitter account or whatever. Um, and then there's a form where you have to put in your injective wallet address. That Doing that action, connecting your Twitter and putting in your injective wallet address adds you as one of the potential recipients for a gift, right? So now Sefi can be gifted. On the other side, um, if I connect my Twitter account, I now have the ability to gift people, but only people from that list of recipients, only people who've already connected their Twitter and assigned a, an injective address, right? Um, oh, one sec. Um, sorry, door just went. Um, only people who've uh, elected to be recipients can sign up to receive. And then Sefi can say pledge a thousand um, autism or some arbitrary amount, and maybe I do an amplifier where I double it or add another thousand or something. Um, here's one of the other ideas. One of the other ideas is like every time Sefi wants to gift, he has to choose three people and he has to has to write three messages um, saying why he's grateful for people for each one. The idea overall would be like I can probably work out how to convert a thousand autism into three signups of Twitter names of injective addresses and three messages of gratitude for each person. And therefore, like, I'm not just donating to random people, I'm donating to people who've signed up and given information and also left messages of love for each person. Um, and, th- and that way you can turn a meme coin treasury into like thousands and thousands, maybe tens of thousands of accounts, full data and full messages. Have you thought about doing like, uh, adding like autism DAO on like enterprise? And doing uh, with it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Because I've thought about this. Like, remember the <clears throat> the coin game idea I had. Like, technically speaking, you could produce like mm, the series of coins and different treasuries and things. Maybe like using a multiple enterprise DAO accounts. It could be interesting. Um, there could be like an interesting gamification of the different DAOs on there. So like, let's say Ryan Lyons DAO and then like do autism DAO and do something else. And then um, you could create like interesting interplays between them and then use maybe like warp or something and create some fun interactivity of some kind. I don't know. Just like, you know, cause part of the thing is like, there's the loyalty piece 
and the virtue part. And then there's the kind of like, we're some fun shit that people can do for entertainment purposes. Um, A lot of the fun comes from the fact that everyone gets a karmic rating over time. And then for, and therefore anything I do or other projects want to do can leverage that for their airdrops and things. I think like what could be interesting as well is like, let's say you have autism token. Um, it'd be interesting if like the more, um, you pick up, the more you could go to a faucet and it's just like, maybe there's a way to check your wallet and then it will like give you free like stuff, like free tokens of different things. Mm. And that creates like, just again, like a ritual activity that we could do, like where it's like, okay, every, you know, you know, day or something like that. If you go to this thing, you go to your faucet you can then get like love tokens or whatever it is. And um, you get these and then you can maybe stake those or maybe you can like, I don't know, you know, gift those out and whatever. And like, you know, there may be some ways to sort of create more network effects with faucets where like, you know, the implication is not that these tokens are worth anything now. Maybe they're worth something in the future if they get listed somewhere, maybe they're not. But like the idea is that um, by having your autism tokens, it allows you to play at the, this arcade and have do more shit. Um, yeah, in some ways, I think I can still do the, like the, the gratitude or gifting protocol thing where people sign up with Twitter and then have to link their accounts and then have to, um, have to write a message to people. And then I can turn that into uh, part of the site where I have a karmic leaderboard, which will be Twitter names plus the, the karmic score, <laughs> which is really funny as well. Um, I think this interaction between between um, what you do on chain and your Twitter account is really funny because people really don't want to be known as people who dump, right? Like, it's kind of horrifying. Like, imagine if, if you're there and you think you dump secretly, but now suddenly you're top of the sinners list as, like, the one who dumped on all his friends. Because I don't have to, like, I don't have to necessarily um, dock somebody's address or something like that. I can do that in the back end and then just output a score. <laughs> there are amount of sin um i think that's really funny and i think if we have a leaderboard like that then people want to climb up it as in the the biggest gifters the most charitable people the highest karmic score um the ones who are most generous with their own money not necessarily even their airdrop um but their own money is is pretty big as well like if you have a list where people are able to virtue signal um and that also shames people for being sinners that's really powerful Another interesting way you could do this is like maybe um, a mechanism would be like, okay, you go to the site and you can swap for like some kind of arbitrary NFT. So there's an autism NFT, you know, it doesn't have any like fancy pictures or anything, but just like you convert the asset value into the NFT and then the NFT gives you interesting games you can play. So it's like, and then that autism get that goes into that, um, you got the NFT or whatever, but that autism then gets, I don't know, distributed to people or something, or maybe it, um, it gets burned, maybe, you know, like the NFT creates like a burn mechanism for the, the original token or something weird like that. Dude, there could be some fun stuff to add. I don't know. I, I see it sort of as like a, a karma layer or a virtue layer where it doesn't need to do too much of itself, but the information no. is super useful. So but at the same um, time, like the more on-chain actions that you can like prove your virtue, so to speak, like that's what I'm getting at. Like, yeah, um, what constitutes we can do, we can do stuff like what that. constitutes an actual proof of virtue, right? Like, um, 
you know, like imagine like if you were to have a lovely, you know, giftable NFT, which like has like, you know, maybe like a Hallmark card almost. And um, you can produce this thing and send, you know, this thing to a friend um, and it burns up your autism tokens or something. I don't know. Like it's more. Yeah, that, that maybe... was like part of the idea. So what I mean is like, let's say you log on and you can choose three recipients and you can write three messages and then you can send your own funds and it automatically does it. And then the messages become public in some way. Like, I'm really thankful for Sefi because he gives educational spaces. I'm really thankful for Bruce because he makes me laugh. And then you distribute that way. And we have sort of a wall of gratitude for each person. Um, and, and then there's an easy way to, for you to express gratitude and also for like the system to collect uh, injective wallets or whatever wallet connected to Twitter, Twitter accounts plus messages, plus messages of love. And that way you're accumulating a, gratitude. I wonder fast. if there's a way for the system to kind of like <clears throat> automate its own Twitter messages. Like there's an autism Twitter and it like posts shit based on these actions. Yeah, that, that was part of my idea. Like in, in this protocol, whenever anyone uh, gifts autism to say three people and they write messages, it could just be reposted as a bot on a Twitter page. And therefore you have a constant stream of love, like a timeline of love, gratitude or whatever. As in, um, Sefi says to Bruce, you really make me laugh, thank you, uh, and, and makes him autistic, makes him even more autistic. That post is a Twitter page, on the Twitter page. And then you have this like constant stream of content. Um, this way, the, the remainder of the treasury I control can be converted into um, accounts linked to Twitter, which is interesting, messages and bot posts and a timeline of love. And also the opportunity overall to to express virtue in your actions by using the protocol in some formalized way that doesn't stay private, but instead collects Twitter addresses. Yeah, I like it. You plan on uh, um, incorporating some incentive for, for girl density? I mean, how, how does that play a role? Will it have, it have its own layer? Honestly, um, gold density is in many ways just a downstream effect. So the, the more the timeline is full of gratitude and love and play, and stuff like that, the more girls appear. Um, a lot of projects go for gold entity as some kind of goal or strategic aim or something. The, the key here is that it happens organically by the system design. Do you think there's ever a possibility of achieving a high enough density that it becomes a singularity in that uh, one by one meter cube? Yeah, you can have you can have a too high density for sure. You learn that in spaces, if there are too many girls in a certain space, <laughs> are, you, tend, are they, you arguing they, they Drew, that gravity will collapse upon itself and form exactly. a black hole? That's exactly right. Jesus too Christ. many girls in the one by no, one. No, it's true. Like if if you take the example of Twitter Spaces, and there are too many girls, the conversation becomes really undirected, and really sort of um, solipsistic in an annoying way. You need you need some like deterministic directed energy to mix with the girl fun energy and then you can have like a really really good conversation likewise if the conversation is too much male you have like really high detail density really high um Autism. sort of sort of rabbit holing of unnecessary details and, and boring shit and too too dry and cold and analytical with no play and storytelling and stuff um so like you need a balance you need you need sufficient girl density to produce maximum fun but also to retain some of the direction. Um, and the system must produce this. Any attempt to do it artificially, like paying girls um, or, or fucking up with the system design creates a fail, right? It's all about balance. 
it's all about like the, the balance of, of goal energy, goal density with the balance of male autistic energy. Yeah, it truly is a difficult thing to have happen because like, tr like, like objectively, like if you look at like the history of comedy, for example, or like just, I don't know, like just on TV or whatever, you'll notice that like, <clears throat> for some reason, I don't know what the exact reason is, but like almost all the great comedians are males for some reason. Like almost all of them, like they, I think, like ninety nine percent or something ridiculous of the number of hours watched, and this there's is no, true. Like, hmm? there's no such thing as an intentionally funny woman. Um, yeah, it's weird. No, no, women sure are often is. women are often very funny. As in, the woman you love will make you laugh constantly, right? Just with the things right. she does naturally, her right. mannerisms and the way she speaks and like the cutesy things she does and the way she dances. Well, that's very funny, but but none of it is intentional. It's like unconscious spontaneous humor infused mm -hmm. with your love for her um right whereas no, men men are, men are funny in like a theory of mind way they can they can like enter the mind of the other person and make yeah, them laugh yeah i agree 100 percent. like there's there's nothing my wife says that's like intentionally designed to be funny like it's it's like it's truly exactly what you describe it's like it's just accidentally funny or it's like funny in some like odd context just happened to be kind of random yeah like or it's funny it's because you like, really love it it, it, like yeah yeah exactly right like it's funny because it's you who happens to be hearing the joke not because it's just anybody yeah i agree no no woman in the history of humankind has ever said a funny thing intentionally <laughs> there are some comedians but like i don't know uh they're not typically as funny as the they're not women no they're not women, women at that point they're just kind of whatever it's like it's like there's no women in crypto <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's until now thing. anyway it's a weird thing like yeah yeah so yeah uh, the dense yeah like the 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 balance of the like right group of people to get like a good um i guess this is probably like the sociology of the math of this shit is probably something really worked out in like hollywood movies and stuff too because like otherwise like because because like real money is at stake for them right mm -hmm. as in girl audience yeah like like or or both like if you like how much do you how much money can you make on a movie what balance has to be there to get like the greatest audience and for reason like and women have been complaining forever they're like hey the the female lead movies don't make as much money it's because not only do not as many maybe males watch those movies but at the same time like less females watch it too which is a weird side effect like like women don't support women as much as they support men in this context I don't know why that is. Just the, the nature of reality, I guess. Hmm. That's a very sexist comment to make. Same thing, like if you go to the office, like like office politics, man, like like if you go to a hospital, for example, right? Like ask any group of nurses and they'll be like, Oh yeah, there is way more sort of like catty and bitchy behavior between female nurses than any kind of male nurses in, involved in that situation. It's pretty interesting. Like so um behaviorally like um it's just a completely different environment almost like 95 percent of complaints i've ever had at a hospital was not males like being insensitive or whatever shit to females it was almost always female on female violence almost always yeah as a as a male nurse i can confirm that completely yeah so you, like, but what you're saying is like if you have too many women in a room in a conversation it just becomes like uh, undirected and like competitive for some reason no i'm just saying um if you skew either way, like imagine one of your super dry male spaces with like 
some super autists or like cosmos founders or something right. um, it's clear that it's incredibly boring often right it's too much details too dry not enough like silliness the women leave instantly right and some of that shit is like just me trying to get alpha from these people it has nothing that, to do with and like, i'm not i'm not, like, I'm not, not like, entertaining right no i'm not i'm not saying there's no um good intention or useful intention i'm saying the effect on like the women and the and the normoid people is like to run um likewise if there's just the space of women the effect on the normoid people is also to run like it can be way too annoying and too circular and too silly and too undirected um so that, that you need a balance you need like the the sort of directed male energy the, the detail energy with the sort of zoom out story playful fun energy when you have that that vibrancy that that matching of poles the masculine and the feminine balance then it's like an optimal space and you realize that your job as a host is sort of to curate that unless you have some specific goal like extracting alpha or something yeah and also like women tend to like in the audience tend to like more of a story format versus like some technical format for sure for like they much more narrative sometimes, sometimes well, it devolves into a 30 minute conversation about tret knowing you know women so. Women just want to feel something, and they also want to be packed in a glass cube, and that's what I'm trying to achieve with this this token. Coach, what if I don't have three people in the crypto community to to donate autism to? I um I've made a website, and the website is very specific. It says, as an autism holder, you are expected to donate thirty three point three percent of your autism over time. However, there is no rush. You have a whole lifetime to do it. So it's it's like it's not about picking among people you know. It's, it's about, about wait, the virtuous people, right? It's about wait like imagine you're just like an old man on a chair or a bench and you're you're sitting there for years in Central Park or some park and waiting for somebody who comes by with sufficient kindness in their eyes to choose them and bless them. It's oh, like you know, you know how I just realized I need to send some to? Um lucky in the audience. Um I need to send mm. this dog. Lucky, be, send me an injective address. I need to send you some autism for, for her. <laughs> Remember, she's the one that always comes on and says, hey, Sethi, like, is Luna pumping or whatever? <laughs> mm. <laughs> a lot of fun. The way, the way you should see it is like, imagine you're um, a homeless guy who has become a secret millionaire. You've had like some kind of windfall from some faraway relative and you've inherited $10 million, but you're still homeless, right? And then you, you continue being homeless because you like the streets, but your whole thing is like, you're, you're almost being homeless voluntarily in order to encounter people naturally on your pathway through life. And then one, when one person is sufficiently kind to you, you will bless them, right? When one person greets you as a human and is kind to you and listens to you and maybe, you know, gives you meal frequently or helps you in some way, who respects you as a human, as a homeless person. Um, then you will bless them. Then you will reveal, you know, you're actually sitting on this this pot of gold and you will give something to them. So there's no rush. It's like you're you're just homeless on the streets for years. Um, nobody knows your 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 autism stash, but you're ready to bless when somebody proves to you on, in an unbiased way without your prompting that they are in fact virtuous. Got it. Just anticipating the difficulty of uh, getting them to... Uh learn how to navigate the the ecosystem it's easy really all, all you say is is get leap wallet chrome extension create an account switch to injective then it's done
it takes two minutes. Got it. Paolo, did you have a comment? Actually, no. I don't have any comment. I just want to know, uh, can I make uh, autism is our national currency in Wakanda? No. Is this Bikram? It's Bikram again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's tried to get around the system. How many accounts do you have, Bikram? We have a Bikram singularity in the Sethi spaces. No, I'm not Bikram. You can see my name, Jerome Powell. Okay, anyway. Um, let's see if uh, Abbo is trying to come up. Let's see if she has any. He or she has a comment here. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Bikram, we need to work on your material. Um, Abba, what's going on? Um, I'm good. Good. I just want to make a confirmation. A confirmation? What is that? Go ahead. It's about the injective. Okay. What do you want to know? I actually don't know how to get the injective. I don't know how to buy it. I'm new to this space. That's a crypto space. I don't know how to get injective. Mm, what exchange do you use? I use, um, I just use my Meta Max or my Chrome browser. My PC. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. Now, which exchange? Yeah, Where do you buy you, stuff? You, you can add MetaMask chain, uh, injective chain on Meta MetaMask. It's available. All right. All right. Let me just check it now. Yeah, do do some research and stuff. I don't want to spend too much time like on like chain education and stuff. Like FYI, FYI, yeah. leaving if we do tech support space. Yeah, really, no tech support. Like <laughs> everyone can find out where to get this stuff themselves. Anyway, um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, Bruce, what else is going on today? Mm. Where have you put all the girlfriends into a glass box yet? Is oh, there, we have a. Is there like a door on the glass box, or is it like sealed for once it's people are put inside? Sealed. No way in or out. Okay. <clears throat> so you breathe like through like just osmosis. Yeah. So my my vision overall is that I I believe um girls are happiest when they're packed into a into a glass cube of around one meter to maybe ten meters on each side. Ten meters is around thirty foot. One meter is around three foot. Um, on either side. So you're talking, um. What's the total volume there? Ten times ten times ten, about a thousand cubic meters, um, and on the larger end. And then basically, you want to pack as many women as possible into this cube. And the more densely packed they are, the happier they are. Um, but the key thing is, is no men can get in the cube. Uh, you have you have a hermetically sealed glass cube of women, which represents any given blockchain. And then the men tend to float around the outside. Um, this allows the women to experience optimally the blockchain um have a great view enjoy the outside have it be kind of an aquarium of sorts where they can look at everything going on but at the same time not be interfered with not be uh probed or touched in any way by the men on the outside um this is sort of how i'm visualizing the the creation of autism hey lucky what's up what's up guys how you doing Did you catch what I said earlier? Make sure you send me an injective address. Oh, I will. And you just send you some autism. That would be lovely. Once I get some, I'll buy some more then. So um, here's one of the interesting things, Seppi, 
when you have a, a karma layer or a virtue layer, you have a really potent list of who to airdrop in future. Um, you know who the so one of the interesting things about the start of uh, autism was I curated heavily a group of people, and the group of people was like, um, if you think about the top one percent of social contributors online, as in the people who are the most playful on the timeline, the people who do Twitter Spaces like these, um, the people who are the most creative, maybe artists, the people who do the nicest threads, um, the people who generally spread positivity, creativity, play, kindness, um, and also people who are willing to quite uniquely in crypto tell the truth. As in, there are a lot of situations where people could profit a lot of money by lying or by misrepresenting things or by grifting or whatever. Um, I've made sure to gift primarily the people who tell the truth despite their own capacity to gain money. So like it, it started as my own evaluation of virtue. And then those people in turn passed on to people they consider to be kind or playful or whatever. Um, and then it sort of becomes its own thing of itself. Uh, the interesting thing there is that I have so much data now. Like, so I have, I've initially curated the set of people very heavily in an interesting way to be like the top 1% of creative people online. And then beyond that, <clears throat> you have all of the on-chained. When I gift somebody, I know whether they dumped immediately or they, they dumped all of it or they dumped part of it or they held or they bought more or they LP'd. I also know whether they gifted it and I know how much they gifted. I also know if they gifted to many small people or a few large people. Bruce, I think your connection's waiting on and off there. Or is it me? Drew, can you hear me okay? <laughs> no. No, no, I, I, I can faded hear you. out. He faded out. He's just out. He's just out. And I just want to say something like last two years ago, my king died. Teach oh, yeah. Can you? And right now, our country having a recession going through. Yeah, Bruce. And nobody. King Chita. <laughs> Bruce, you're back. I think I could hear you a minute ago. Try again. I think his connection's kind of coming and going. So anyway, yeah, what he's saying is that, like, depending on what actions people do with their autism tokens, it can all be kind of monitored. And you can see, like, uh, who's doing the sort of like more virtuous giving and maybe contributing to the ecosystem as opposed to um, just simply selling or something like that, which is kind of cool. <clears throat> so like, um, like you're benefiting others essentially by being sort of exit liquidity if you're buying the token and you're benefiting others if you are LPing the token because then you make it like tradable for people. Right. So like all those things are sort of like positive for everybody else, but not necessarily directly to you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're good. I was just kind of paraphrasing when what you're saying. Did I, I like, did I break off at some point? Yeah, you're mentioning how you can tell like if people have given to like uh single large um individuals or like divided up their autism and given to lots of different people. Mm. So like you have like I have a number of interesting things. So I have the initial set of curated people as in the top 1% of creative people online or the top 1% of virtuous people online. And then I have all of their on-chain actions, as in their buys, their sells, their holds, their LPs, the gifting, who they gifted to and what the gifted people did. And all of that produces a karmic score, which is like a weight. Um, so if you imagine Sefi, uh, let's say Sefi donates to 100 people and they all generally hold, he has a very high karmic score because he was willing to divest himself of a lot of his own holdings 
and he also chose very well because he chose people who didn't dump, right? Does that make sense? Um, and then if somebody in turn, say, dumps half of their own holdings, that's a negative karmic score. And then let's say they, they also donate half of their holdings to people who then mostly dump. Well, that's a negative karmic score because either they've donated to people who are unvirtuous or they've donated to themselves and dumped by obfuscation or whatever. So you have like a really interesting sort of um, creative filter to start with and then a virtue filter afterwards. And that gives you a really potent list. Like one of the reasons I'm even doing this whole thing is because I was like, I was wondering who to airdrop to. Like I'm, I'm sort of planning a more serious protocol um, to build that I've spec'd out and stuff and got funding for. Um, and I was wondering like, how do I even determine who I do airdrops for? And the best way was to create a, a sort of a, a pseudo karmic layer as its own entity and then determine it through that. At the same, the same, the same time, it's like, um, people could use that grouping to airdrop their own, you know, new tokens in the future too. That's the point. Like right. what, what, I, what I'm really creating is a much better alternative to the traditional marketing list, right? It's like, it's like, okay, um, this might be a realm where you do not know somebody's real identity, but you can know their on-chain actions and you can also, uh, in many ways, connect their Twitter to their on-chain, on-chain actions. And because of that, you can generate a karmic score for someone. And the effect of that is you know exactly who not to airdrop shit to. And you also know who's likely to be a high contributor diamond hands who has good intentions towards others. Not just, not just airdrop, but you could like, it could be like whitelist for. Exactly. Uh, like Lying. initial coin. Like, you know how like if sometime in the future, there's like a reason, that, you know, people need to like do a fundraiser for something. And it's like, you want to get a like diamond handed group of people who um, you know, you might want to be initial coin owners who don't just dump on the community. Exactly. Uh, perfect. And, like, and, and, and it's not just about like who won't dump. It's that initial curation that's really powerful. Like people in the space who would speak or people who write or people who are artists, the, right. the creative energy behind the chain. Like that's it's the, the same problem curation. like venture capital has. Like, for example, if you have a company and you form it today and you, you know, like bring in like, $10 million of VC money to sort of like build your company, whatever it is. Um, it's much better to have like those 10 million people worth of investors be very active in building the business, spreading word of the business, maybe contribute like networking connections yeah. or something, as opposed to like a passive investor who just hands you money and they're hoping that you multiply that money over time. Yeah, very different. This is the whole, yeah. this is the whole point of like the... Um, like one of the core things about the project it's an inversion of the normal distribution so normally in a project or a blockchain you would have like the early seed round buyers the large investors the vcs they generally are very quiet they don't show that they're, they're like all they're doing is getting deal flow on multiple things again and again and again that's sort of their life right they get they get early deal flow for providing early money for the the risk reward and and hopefully a large multiple um again and again um, and also if you look at the old, like, I don't know, if you look at the old lunar ecosystem or something, the biggest holders were the quietest and often the, the smallest holders are the loudest on social media, um, which is interesting in many ways, uh, because it's like your loudness is <laughs> like a, a direct result of your, um, very low opportunity cost. Like, do you remember the, the lunch stuff? I was just about to say, you got the right crew because 
if we held Luna from five to a hundred back to still holding, you got the crew that holds forever right here. Because mm. I I still haven't sold a dime of Luna. Some someday I will someday. Yeah, that's part of the filter. Like like it's kind of like many, it's kind of in like in many like ways virtue. Filter. In many ways, virtue means delusion. <laughs> virtue means delusion. Yeah. It's like virtue is not in it, like it's not an immediate survival instinct automatically. It's like a it's a downstream, more like cerebral, more sentient survival experience to have like a group of virtuous people as opposed to like more of a self centered like you know lizard brain type of activity. <laughs> yeah, you can like I like the word virtue because it sort of um, it it frames the sense of an objective set of qualities when in fact these qualities might be either ridiculous or unself-serving or um just hand-picked by me <laughs> so like it in many senses it's sort of a joke um but i think it's good I, I think it's good when it becomes a wild thing and people start to think like ah who should i give autism to who do i consider virtuous and then they can make their own definition or whatever right but the point is that like you are curating a small set of people you know based on how much you genuinely appreciate them and therefore you you have a sense of like keeping the quality of the community through culture which is cool but overall it's sort of like this um this like i, I call it like an l0 karmic layer that any project or whatever projects i do in future or um suzu or whoever else can determine the airdrop on that makes sense so it's like let's see what you do when there is no financial agenda and then let's determine the actual financial bounty we give you based on that hey Sefi, i have a sad story to share can i share something is it relevant to what we're talking about or just completely off the wall nonsense it's kind of funny <laughs> somewhere in the middle yes all right actually what what happened our king Tichala died two years ago and <clears throat> right now we are going through really tough time, going through recession last six months, I didn't get any salary. So I'm really poor. And also three years ago, our teacher changed our national currency and converted it into BBTC and he died everything stored into his wallet. And we don't know seed phrase or anything. <clears throat> it's totally locked up. So if you find looking for any poor guy, so no, I can the, the autism token is not, myself. is not for poor people. The autism token is not like a donation no. it's for people that have demonstrated like, uh, like virtuous behavior, which is like, uh, acting, being very good to other people. That's the, that's the goal. Yes. In many ways, we can, we can sell you in many yeah, ways, it's a way out of poverty, but only if you are using it not to get unpoor, but to help others. Mm -hmm. Yes, we can sell uranium with, you know, we have lots of uranium in our place. If you want, we can give you one kilo, two kilo uranium. Uh, I don't think I'm going to participate in the uranium trade, personally. Maybe Bruce wants some uranium for his, like, his uh, submarine. Um, he spends a lot of time on the sea in, in his submarine, so it's possible he could use it. But just DM him later about it. I don't really know. Uh, Bass, what's going on? Are you there? Bass? Mm, I don't it's know. Okay. It's okay. We don't need to try okay. too hard to include new people. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. 
looks like King Wabi's going to step up here pretty soon with our, our forecast. Uh, no, we don't need any forecast. We already know what's going on. Oh, um, Dash um, Anon just like posted that uh, it appears from Discord that the Zephyr swap may be showing up like uh, possibly as early as this month, version one, which is really cool. So the ability to swap Zephyr for something else. I'm not sure what all is going to happen there, but that should be uh, interesting development. Bruce, you have like your Zephyr bag loaded up, I'm assuming. I um I bought a load at, at five dollars and never touched it. Okay, I bought you like didn't, you didn't add I any. I bought like um new height new ice floor. In total, I bought like I think it was like thirty k at at near six dollars average. Okay, good, good, good. So I have a yep. lot. This I, is a, but this I haven't good. added to it. I've just kept it. This is a pretty good like price level as well. So I've added a fair amount along the way um, to keep like, um, like, I don't know, to just basically take all of the market makers, uh, Zeph off the exchanges. <laughs> so pretty much pick it up the floor and uh, kind of like adding, you know, my, my liquidity to this mess. So it's good. <clears throat> um, yeah, Rusty Soda Can, what's going on? Feel free to speak whenever you want, guys. Anyway, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, things are looking interesting. Like this, uh, this like, uh, coin dump or whatever looks like it, uh, probably like knocked off a lot of the people that on leverage or whatever, but otherwise everything's pretty decent to me. I'm happy with everything for the year. Hello? Yeah, I can barely hear you, Rusty. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, what's up to Zephy wallet? Um, I can barely hear you. Something's wrong with your microphone, but uh, what, the Zephy wallet. Zephy wallet. What is up with it? What do you mean? It doesn't work at all. Um, it works fine. Like I just, I just installed it again um, yesterday, and uh, it worked really well. So I'll, you have to make sure that you. It takes a while to load up your. Um, wallet from when you like so you add your seed phrase and you okay. add your it's, it's, node everything like i can i can see everything in the actual wallet like my zap is there but whenever i try to withdraw any then like the actual keyboard covers the button it's impossible to get to try to fill it in. oh you're something's wrong with your microphone man like you're gonna have to yeah you're saying that like the buttons are getting covered if yeah. you have any problems with it um if you want to like um message specific problems to to dmt um he it's his twitter name is dememe tree d-e-m-e-m-e-t-r-e-e -E 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 -E, or i think yeah, it's dmt it. so just message him and he'll like fix whatever problems that are there so he's like actively like repairing it as time goes so yeah it's not my wallet like it was just named after me sort of but like <laughs> it's uh <laughs> it's i didn't create the thing so i don't know what the technical problems are or whatever all right. But I see what you're saying. Like you're you're saying like when you try to hit send or whatever, like the keyboard and shit is covering up your interface, making it hard to yeah, like. Totally All right, I'll yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Let me try it real quick. I want to see. Um, but yeah, if, if people don't have this wallet yet, uh, grab it. It's uh, on the App Store for iPhone at least so far, and it's spelled Z E P H I I, and uh, it's made by one of our buddies here, who. Uh, like produce this thing and um 
works quite well. And it's really nice if you want to like, if you need to send pay people in private, like let's say you have some employees or something and you don't want them to see how much money you have. Like let's say you have a million dollars of Zephyr, but you don't want to have like your employees see what you own. Or maybe like you have five employees and you don't want to see like, you know, you, big you, problem you don't in crypto. Like, what's that? Big problem in crypto that. Yeah, it is a problem. Like, so you, let's say you have five employees. You don't want like one of them to be like, hey, how come the other guy is getting more money than me or something like that? Um, then privacy is super important. So that's pretty cool with this. Like you can send payments to people quite nicely. Um, not a bad idea to have a little bit of ZSD in there too if you want to pay people with it. Um, what happens in, in crypto is, um, so people are aware of other people's salaries because it comes out of a team wallet typically. <clears throat> right. And then it's not just about other people getting more. It's that if you learn um, somebody is getting twice your amount, you start putting in half the effort. Yeah. You start you start point. doing some proportionate effort thing. That's common. That's a great that's a great point. Yeah, like why is this You're guy like, getting fuck it. More? He's getting twice as much. So I'm gonna put in half the time. Fuck it. I'm gonna get another yeah. job. Half my time. That's a great point. Um, you can't yeah. you can't keep the you can't keep the same pressure on people because suddenly you you have people like spiraling and thinking about hypocrisy and stuff. Yeah. And now you see this bullshit happen with like governance and shit too. Like it's like, oh, let's give so and so a certain amount of money to do a certain project. And then like the community votes for a certain amount of money, and then like the next project comes along and they want the exact same thing because they the last project got it or something like this. So like some level of transparency is good but on the other hand it can be detrimental um because like mistakes don't get like hidden in some sense right like maybe you do pay some employee way too much for something and you're like wait a minute i, sh I, did I shouldn't have done that like i need to pay the next employee less because it doesn't make sense now you look like the asshole pretty much and maybe you made a mistake the first time or whatever yeah but it's a great point it's like it's just a it's a source of strife essentially that's un it's well, um, another thing, and <clears throat> another thing in crypto you have, and I, I feedback this to a few chains actually, is um, you have like so, like one of the weirdnesses of um, community pools in general is that if you look at the proposals that get funded historically, they tend to be heavily technical proposals that achieve specific things in a technical sense, <clears throat> but really in terms of bringing new users to the chain, they might achieve absolutely nothing. Um, and in terms of like achieving marketing KPIs or usage or true inflows to chains, they achieve absolutely nothing. But historically, for many community pools on many chains, these kind of projects have been have been given like 200K, 300K, millions of dollars, potentially. Um, equally, then you look at the, the social educational side of a chain. Um, things like these spaces, Cephi spaces um, for the original Luna, um, or you know, popular spaces on any chains, or writers, or people who produce funny content. Even people like uh, you know, like Christy from from Luna and stuff, like producing memes and, and funny stuff, or or me or whoever. These kind of people tend to receive absolutely nothing from any community pool, but at the same time, they tend to produce big inflows because. Um, over, like, let's say I, I do spaces about autism every day, or I do spaces about Luna every day, or I do spaces about Kuji every day. I'm likely to get um, a lot of listeners over time, and I'm likely to convert a lot of people. And it's likely that those people who listen convert other people in turn. And it's likely that a lot of the writing I do, and a lot of the videos I make, and a lot of the like funny voice notes I make, or whatever, become a sort of a cultural core of the community. Over time, it's a massive contribution. But equally, there's no there's no sort of um, ability of a community pool to fund that 
right? Whereas it is funding a lot of the stuff that achieves nothing just because it's technical. So it's sort of this ongoing weird thing where the, the, the yeah. social education layer is really powerful and produces massive inflows of people, but at the same time is unfunded or assumed to be a result purely of skin in the game. But equally, the, the technical layer is heavily funded, even if it achieves nothing. Um, so you have this weird situation, right? Um, but one of the, the, the reasons that you can't fund the social layer is because what about hypocrisy? Like, what if we sure. fund CryptoCito? What if we fund Cephi? Well, suddenly, do we have to fund everyone else? Or are we going to become hypocrites forever? Right? It's, it's really hard to do. Like, it's really hard to solve. Um, it makes you think that, that blockchains need some sort of fundamental thing at the core, almost like a, a built-in um, referral layer at the base in order to yeah. reward the social contributors. Otherwise, like, there's almost no way to do it without hypocrisy and stuff. Yeah, there's almost a like there's no good like community slash governance mechanism for determining this sort of thing at all. Like like take for example Finn who does Terra Spaces and stuff. Like some people donate to him and uh, I think Terra uh did a grant with him and stuff like that, but Oh, he's uh, made a fuckload. Like he's one he's yeah, not in that category at all. He's been paid a lot by TFL and a lot by grants and a lot by yeah. different chains. Yeah, he has now, but not initially. Like that took a long time to to do that plus like we kind of like helped him along as well because we we kind of like helped um it's like create content for him mm -hmm. whatever. i would right. say he's an out he's an outlier in the other outlier yeah, yeah. He, he, he he's a he's a sort of octopus who appeals to many chains and is useful to many chains so he gets like donations and tfl has given him a load yeah. and stuff yeah no, um the, the, really people like you are what we're talking about Sophie. The people yeah, who, like, and interestingly, who, like, like if I yeah. were to just simply not hang out on this on Twitter Spaces and I would just go to work, right, like normal work, or if I would, and by the way, like, I could be playing video games at work quite literally and get be getting paid probably somewhere between two fifty to three hundred an hour, um, just for being there. Like, you know, that, that's how much I get paid. Um, like, I could be on a play PlayStation and making like three hundred bucks an hour or something like that, and um, I've done that. And um, the funny thing is, like. Um, so yeah, like a lot of what I do is really just like, you know, like whatever selfless education. I, I think it's useful. I think it's important. I enjoy it. And so I just sort of do it as a form of entertainment to a large extent. So I, I haven't like attempted to monetize this, but here's the problem. If I'm doing this much time for free, then it creates like a market distortion too, Bruce. Cause it's like, well, if someone else comes in and gets paid for it, what the hell are they going to do for like when I'm doing it almost for free? Right. So, like, yes, I, I also want to mention I earn profit from you. And I follow, like, like okay. two, in these two years, I following every strategy you are sharing. And to be honest, honest with you, I earn a lot of money from your strategy wise. But like, even if you didn't, like, the thing is, what, I, what we're pointing out is, like, um, normally, if I were to, like, Bruce, you know how much I get to, like, if I go work for companies that are, like, pay me to speak. I get paid usually in the neighborhood of like, um, like three K for like a, like maybe a, you know, two hour session or something like that. It's pretty, pretty high. So like, mm. and I've done a lot of that. So you can tell, like I've spoken for, like you just tell by my manner of speaking that I've probably done this professionally to some extent, but like, yeah, like if I do this, like just speaking professionally, it, the income's quite high. And, um, but at the same time, like not everyone can do it at the same level. So it's, I can understand how like, um, paying people for these things can be complicated. Uh, Coach, good morning. What are you doing, man? I am. I'm. I'm like not feeling well. I'm sick right now. But uh, 
I'm going to go work out a little bit, try to sweat it out. So it's that, that time is sick. So I was hoping my, my doctor could give me some, some advice. Um, and then secondly, I wanted to say hi to, uh, lucky. Um, <clears throat> the last time I talked to lucky was over messaging about like 10 o'clock at night on May 10th, um, 2022. And I just wanted to say hi, Lucky. Uh, you were able to help me out over DMs, and uh, I'm going to try to. S- I'm going to send you some autism. Uh, yeah, some autism. I don't know if anyone's ever sent you autism already, but uh, send him some too. So, like, yeah, send uh, send uh, Robin your address, Lucky. Oh, nice seeing you again. <clears throat> Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. You guys have a good day. All right, Robin. Cool. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, at least that's like the social layer, the the virtuosity layer, or whatever you want to call it, I think is mm. uh, well it, important to, to me. It's sort of like um, it's not even that you want to monetize. It's it's more like what's fair. Like if if somebody does put enormous efforts in over time and produces like a massive increase in in users coming into the chain or something, then like what is what is objectively fair like how do you get towards more system level fairness um it's not that anything is demanded either it's it's more like hang on a minute these uh these so-called protocol founders who achieve nothing have just got 500k but someone who has brought you know a hundred thousand investors over time or something has received nothing it's kind of like a a preposterous inversion where it's like the system clearly doesn't work correctly if that's the case and also the effect of of things like this happening is that um, people who are high social contributors over time or educators or whoever tend to uh, just leave, right? Um, I, I can think of many examples. Like you remember like uh, Deeb's DeFi in, in the old Luna ecosystem, right? Yeah. He used to write these like long, comprehensive newsly, uh, weekly newsletter threads or whatever, like latest updates in the system. Yeah, so many. No, of no, them no incentive, just leave. These people just leave over time. They do. Um, I, I also feel like massive ingratitude for stuff i've done for people for no reason um but whatever like it's it's clearly a problem on like a system level and that the, like the like there's no point in getting mad about it on a level of like well um somebody hasn't rewarded me or noticed or whatever it, it's just like the system at base doesn't work correctly yeah it's it's not built in a way to um like the the shiller, so to speak, or the educator in crypto only benefits if like they own the token and number goes up. That's pretty much it. Like that's that's how- the point. There's there's no there's often no incentive unless you're talking micro caps or something. Like example, um Luna. Right. right? That's a great point because because like yeah, if like let's say you're talking about something that's already like a very high market cap and let's say you bought some. Okay, so it two X's, but it's still not gonna pay the bills. But you're well, right. Can't. Like, like it I don't. I, like, I really much. don't care. Like, it's um. Let's say something like Luna. If you had, uh, if you had a, a million dollars at peak, you now have ten k or less, right? <laughs> yeah. So you have you have ten k or less. Like, I think likely less, right? And and at a certain point, you had like four k or something. Um, and during the dump just now, you had five k. Do do I like? Do I really care about shilling my own bags? But equally, like, what's my social power and what's my effect? Like, what am I going to do? Shill really hard and write long things and things to get my bags to double from 5K to 10K? 
it's like at this point, it's likely to be a very tiny part of my portfolio. I, I just, there's no financial incentive to do so. A lot of people are giving way beyond their skin in the game should compel them to do. That's like the point, right? Whether you're, whether you're doing it out of um, some core loyalty to the community, whether you're doing it out of just you enjoy doing it like you do, Sefi, um, whether you're doing it for whatever reason, you're just an educator or trying to find a place in crypto. Um, there are loads of people who are giving far more than their skin in the game compels them to do. And equally, there are loads of people doing technical shit that achieves nothing. You get paid loads. Um, it's it's like the wrong. It's like inverted. There's so like part of yeah. yeah. There's another interesting piece of like like my personal experience with like spaces and whatever that um, like plays into this as well. Like so when I, when we were like the the peak of like um, like Terra and stuff and everyone has like projects to talk about and whatever. Like they would call me up on the or DM me and say like okay can you do this at like such and such time and I'm like fuck like I'm waking up at 5 a.m. in my time to do this like. <laughs> out of the goodness of my heart or something. And I, and I did it because like, I was like, all right, I'm an ecosystem member. My Luna bags will probably go mm -hmm. up, whatever. And, um, you know, so you do this and then like, also you got the benefit of like hearing alpha from teams and stuff that you otherwise wouldn't know. So like the network effect was kind of cool and like maybe worth the time perhaps or whatever, just to kind of contribute. I did. I did a lot of this stuff as well. Like, but like yeah, but the times like, but just, but you know what I've realized afterwards, I'm like this season, like, I'm like, people will send information to me and like, Hey, do you want to do a space about our project on Andromeda or Cadena or whatever? I'm like, yeah, like maybe like look out for me and maybe just hop on when I'm doing spaces. But like me, like scheduling my life around whatever the fuck you guys want. Like they're like, also making loads of money be, out of you. Yeah. You're, you're making money, not me. And I'm doing it for entertainment purposes. Why am I waking up at 6am? And like, not only that, but like, why would I organize my life around that? Like if I'm just doing it for my entertainment, like, you know, maybe why my, my wife's at work or whatever, and I have nothing better to do. I'm sitting here dicking around on Twitter space. That's one thing. But if it's like, you're going to wake me up at weird times and um, want to have like, you know, cause people are all over the world and do these things. It's like, ah, I don't know. Like I, I'm not, you know, I, I haven't been able to bother that much about it lately. <laughs> so like that's, so yeah, for sure. Like I've backtracked compared to what I used to as well. So like, yeah, if you're making a substantial income, that makes sense. But um, the the funny thing is, can you know, you know, can you afford it? Here's the thing: like, how much is it worth? Like, Bruce, if you were to say, like, let's say you were Tara, right, and you had someone talk about your platform. Tara was like, you, sorry. Imagine like you you're a Terraform Labs, and like, mm -hmm. uh, how much is it worth to you to have someone talk about your thing on Twitter Space or something like that for let's say two hours a day, right? Like, um, it, I mean, it, it depends who it is. Some people are very like repulsive. Yeah. Well, clearly, it has to be someone that like is interesting or at least has some fundamental understanding of crypto. But in terms of like you or me, over time, we're talking yeah. like eight, 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 nine figures over time. Oh, easily. Yeah, easily. So it, it's like if you look at the size of the market cap of these things, and like, wait a minute, like if you paid someone like literally like a couple thousand bucks a day. And I'm, I'm talking about that much because like, you're not going to find that many people that can do this very well. Um, then the, yeah, maybe like I might do it. In fact, I, I would probably like, that's why Do Kwan, like the, the previous time he's like, Oh, would you quit your job? And I'm like, dude, I make a lot of money. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you want me to move where to fucking Thailand and, or wherever they were, um, Singapore or whatever. And you want me to do what? Into and so I, like flat out said, no, like within the hour, like the conversation, it was, um, I forget the guy's name, GJ, not GJ. Um, What's his name? Anyway, like the, the business development guy that was from like Goldman yeah, Sachs. Yeah, Happy Caddy Crypto. 
No, no, no. It's like that G- Goldman Sachs guy that like worked with TFL and like he he was there like business development whatever. And when even when, even then like I was like, wait a minute, like how much do you think you're paying me? I didn't even get into the how much they were going to pay me. Honestly, because I, I pretty much said no when they're like, oh, yeah, we have to you have to move. And then they wanted to have someone that's not anonymous, too. Like, and I'm like, fuck that. Like, like, mm. like you don't have enough money for that. <laughs> like, It's sort of like if, if I was to like if I was to rescope what I did for Luna as a as a job and then demand a salary for it, it would be ludicrous. Like, it, like, that's kind of the yeah. point. right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like if, if I was to put on paper that okay i'm gonna like i'm gonna talk about lunk and get like 150,000 followers and then i'm gonna have about 30 40,000 of them turn into lunar investors too and i'm gonna propose like a union of the twin moons and i'm gonna do like a a, a co-marketing thing where um because all of the old og lunar investors are really fucking wrecked and have such low skin in the game that they're not going to show the thing so you need this incoming like shill energy and enthusiasm and stuff and i'm gonna get like forty thousand new investors converted with this twin moons narrative and um that's gonna bootstrap the chain and the attention and if you look at tfl and luna tweets now two-thirds of it is ex-lunk investors have you seen this have you scrolled through the retweets it's like not. just lunk. it is just, no yeah you're it's right. just lunk people. nobody who was in the old ecosystem cares because they have too low skin in the game to care right yeah in, in order to care they would have needed to buy a fuckload and they were wrecked there are like two or three very, very like obsessive compulsive um, individuals in the terror community that are definitely like uh, posting Luna related bullish charts, right? There's like, I forget the names now, but like there's, yeah, three or four of them. No, I'll tell you who is posting, who is posting is validators who are paid and who is posting is builders who are getting treasury allocations. And then beyond that, it's just the lung people. There's a couple retards. Like yeah, there's a couple those. of pure retards for sure. But but really, they're kind of sucking up and trying to get paid later on. Many of them. Um, but it's it's like largely the new shill energy, largely the incoming new investors who bought early, who weren't wrecked. Um, the point is, if I was to scope that out and and look at like KPIs and yeah, I'm going to get like thirty, forty thousand new people on an exchange and Binance and stuff. How much would that be worth? <laughs> like I haven't received a penny for it. It's it's like ludicrous. Um, and then. Uh, if, if I look at other things I've done for other chains, like, um, I don't know, like I've, I've talked to Dove, the Kuji founder and stuff um, a few times and given like input and advice and very low time. But even with very low time, he was super nice and, and like grateful and um, like offering to give me stuff and whatever, which was interesting because it's like, hang on a minute, what am I doing with my time? Like, am I, am I sort of helping utterly ungrateful people like TFL or am I going to help people who are actually grateful and understand the value of it? So I think a lot of it is down to like a, a human level side of things, like the leadership, like how much does the, and it's sort of, um, it, it's kind of sad because I think on some level, the system cannot solve it. It must be down to the leadership of certain projects, um, like the leadership, the one in charge, the, the leadership council or whatever must have a sense of like the the spread of actual usefulness and actual effect and reward it proportionately. Otherwise they end up with a really lopsided chain that ends up sort of self-destructing over time. Hmm. Yep. Like it's uh yeah it's interesting. I, at the same time, like it's it's one thing to talk about money, but like um like even if people offered me money in some way to to do something 
I don't know. Th- then it's like I'm obligated to talk about their shit. And now it's like um, instead of just talking about whatever the fuck I feel like it, then it truly becomes a job. And I don't know if it's as entertaining to me if it becomes a job, right? Like, mm. I don't know. How how would you feel if you spoke for two years about certain chain and then um, the founder approached you privately, maybe on a phone call or something, and was like, mm-hmm. I I really, like, even though you didn't have to, I appreciate, like, your massive long-term efforts. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you <clears throat> a validator or I'm going to send you X amount of tokens and you don't have to do anything, but I'm just super grateful because it's had a massive effect. Would you accept it? Yeah, probably. Like, I don't have any big issue with that. There's no, like, there's no pub, public anything. Even, there's, even right. then, like, even then, like, I haven't accepted anything so far. Like, to say, like, I might is one thing, but I haven't actually. Like, people used to be like, oh, yeah, would you talk about my NFT project? I'll send you a couple of NFTs. Like, I'm like, dude, I'll talk about your NFT project, but you don't have to send me anything. Don't worry about it. No, uh, but like, what I'm what, saying is, if, you know, if you, imagine, imagine a situation like that. You spoke for two years about something, educating mm-hmm. people. You brought loads of investors, and then um, the founder contacted you and just expressed gratitude as some like, um, in, <clears throat> in some small way. Would you not evaluate their integrity way higher, as well? Yeah, like if yeah, especially like um, I, yeah, it would be definitely a plus on their side. I'd be more likely to like personally pay attention to their their chain or whatever because at least it seems like someone with a some level of uh um dignity and not just like wanting to dump on their holders or whatever they're actually willing to well there's, there's sort of like a spectrum right there's like the, yeah. the founder who thinks everything is a result of skin in the game mm-hmm. and then there are founders who are like okay there are things that can surprise you um the, the over contributors who like i'm going to be fair about in the understanding that like they never had any obligation to stay here and never had any, any obligation to speak about it and some things you can't really quantify to start with anyway. Like, what am I like? Imagine me trying to quantify like the lunk stuff or something early on would make no sense, right? Yeah. And like, there is this interesting um, cycle of appreciation that comes from you talking about people's bags. So it's like, like if, uh, if I'm talking about Bitcoin and everyone owns Bitcoins and they're happy that you're talking about it, uh, whatever. So like, you definitely get, um, I guess good following engagement, like, um, which is kind of like an appreciation of sense, I suppose, if you're into the like follower account game or something, but like only, only, only while you carry on speaking about their bags. Yeah, of course, about their bags specifically. Otherwise then of course they disappear and whatever. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, so like, you'll notice, like, I don't get nearly as engagement as a lot of, um, folks if I don't stick to one specific thing. Like for example, if I stuck to only Luna, 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 Luna. And every time like someone I tweet about it, like, oh, my Luna bag might go up and the people retweet it, like it, whatever. Um, and when the price is going up, it'll, you know, they'll get excited. But if you do any kind of variety show, you talk about <laughs> like whatever, then uh, immediately you get into issues. But I find that like if you don't, like let's say you don't have like a variety of things you talk about, what happens is you wind up getting cemented with the same group of people. And the negative there is that like you're not bringing anybody new at that point. So that's another problem. Um, it's like this crystallized community that's like an echo chamber, but nothing, you know, no new data is coming in and no new alpha. Um, you, you start to become like, you find like, mm. you, A, you're bored, but like two, you're actually not providing any new information to anybody. But, there, there, are, there are like algorithm hell realms, which is interesting as well. Um, like, I, I'll give you an example. If, I, if I'm an account who starts posting about Lunk or some other 
um, cryptocurrency for two years. The moment I stop posting about that, my engagement is zero. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Like it, that is a thing. Um, and and the reason is because the algorithm. So well, it's a few things, the, but the algorithm thinks that I'm producing really bad content because the people I've previously been speaking to evaluated it as completely uninteresting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're you're much better off. Like almost like it's almost like if you had an account for each thing that you did, in a sense. A very, if you're a crypto account, you want you want you want to sort of um, go list heavy, like lists of tokens, different tokens. Because um, yeah. otherwise, when you get too enmeshed in one, the the algorithm will think you're an awful account. Um, it's sort of paradoxical as well, because um, in one of my past like Twitter incarnations, like um, past account, which I, I I think I grew to like I don't know twenty five thousand or something over time, I was just doing funny shit. And the other fun thing about that is that when you're just a humorist account, um, not talking about crypto at all, when you eventually do talk about crypto, also nobody cares. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. too far outside of their world and they think you're just a grifter and trying to like sell them on something to capitalize on your your status or your long-term relationship or whatever so yeah. there's this weird sense where it's like you you're very within the algorithm world you're very committal to certain realms it's like whatever you talk and about you becomes your audience and then if you stop talking about that thing the algorithm thinks you're producing shitty content also, like I have a habit of like, let's say, wake up in the morning and post something about some different different coins and charts that I happen to notice that are interesting or whatever. And um, I might pick like three or four different things to tweet about just because, like, I don't know, that's just my bandwidth for the morning or something. And uh, and uh, when you do like a cluster of tweets and stuff, all of them get very limited engagement. You almost have to space them out to get, like get maximum. Like, do you use that thing where it's like you post like you create a bunch of different tweets and it just posts every, you know, number of hours or something like I forget the, is a tweet deck or something like where it does these like weird timed things or whatever. No, no, that, that, that would be a disgusting usage of Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Same here. I'm like, to me, it's like more of like a journal of whatever I'm thinking of that moment. I'm very, um, I'm very like spontaneous in the moment. Joy. Driven. Yeah. Same, same for me. It's like, Oh, like I'm in the mood at this moment. I'll just do it. Whereas when you start like using, these timed things you'll probably get more engagement and stuff like if you're a serious account you're trying to show something big and you're like you want everyone to hear about this you wanted to have this thing timed almost surely no that's like marketing funnel thinking yeah, for exactly. me personally i've been approached by probably you know like if you think back to like the lunk days and everything else i've been approached by at least 100 people wanting partnerships to pay me tokens and things i've never accepted a single one um i've had uh like founding roles and consultancy roles in projects, but it's never been like a shill thing. It's it's always been very product heavy, like product oriented. Like the OPNX stuff was like largely product strategic stuff. Um, yeah, like I've spoken to like Andromeda and TFM and a variety of other people, and they're like, "Hey, can you look at our shit and tell us what you can do better? What kind of features do you think we should have? Whatever." And I'm usually fine with like giving free um, free advice for that sort of stuff, like. What would I like to see? What kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, what would I use? And like, um, what kind of user experience? All those kind of things, um, you know, like because people that have been around a bit can provide feedback that's useful. Um, and uh, yeah, it's sort of weird. It, it is sort I'm of weird. Fine to, with to keep... giving it free. I don't even get anything out of it. It's funny. <laughs> it is sort of weird to keep using your time 
um <clears throat> like i've i've definitely over donated my time to all kinds of things for zero reward like the amount of of calls i hopped on over the last two years to give protocols feedback and to give ideas for marketing and stuff like <clears throat> one of the most common things was someone dm me like you're really good at guerrilla marketing you're really good at this you're really good at propaganda so for some reason people start listening to you and do what you want how do you do that how can we make our protocol do that and then i step on a call and, and give them like two hours of free feedback or whatever i did that again and again and again and again and again <laughs> like for, for nothing um kind right. of funny consulting kind of thing but it's for free so yeah it's wait, it's wait, a, wait. it is a weird thing though because like in in a sense like crypto at its very core is highly like money motivated right like well it's it's it's, it's funny in the sense that like the people you're doing it for are extremely money motivated well they have and, to be why would they and, er, and like there are currency. people doing there are people doing spaces of equivalent size to yousefi who are like making sure that the guests pay them a hundred two hundred dollars every go and you know or more I mean, or like like some kind of paid discord or some shit yeah, like some kind of um, because Bitcoin partnership or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how that works. Like, I guess people want like, uh, I guess in some sense, like people are used to doing subscriptions for things or whatever too. So maybe that they feel like some people feel like if they're paying for something that they're paying for something of value. So I don't necessarily think it's bad if people are monetizing their time because like it's one thing to say I have like a job that pays me a ton of money. So like like. I can do this for entertainment. I understand why some people would do it to get paid. It makes it, it it's kind of weird though. Um, I, I like helping people and I don't necessarily need to earn from anything because often the motivation is like the fun of coming up with the ideas and things and talking about it or whatever. But I, but I do definitely appreciate some kind of long-term gratitude from people. Um, yeah, I find I it you, sort of you and me are also, and, you and me are also the type it, of people that like yeah. when we, when we, when we game this out for other people, like we are legitimately like learning and we are adding to sort of our database of ideas. So it's like eventually in our head, I think you and I have this sense that like we will release something grand one day. <laughs> like, and, like, and, and all of this is a prelude to that. Doesn't it feel like that? Yeah. Especially me when you consider I'm a third of your age. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, 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 like my problem is I don't have to do anything to do well because I'm already wealthy and such. So it's like, it doesn't really matter to me in that sense. I'm not as hungry, I guess is the way to say it. Mm. I mean, I took it a little bit different, Zephy. I guess I was I spent hundreds of hours with you probably on Luna, right? I mean, we we were we were showing videos on how to. I took it oh, from yeah. the sense I took it from the sense of like an opportunity where people didn't know how to do things, and I looked at it as this might be financial freedom for them. So it was definitely good out of our heart to do. Because yeah. it was something that could have financially benefited them. And that's kind of one of my goals is like, how do you get people out of their normal day to day that they're doing? And how do you get them opportunities that they don't necessarily always have? And it's I, like, I that, think, that, that's I where I was coming like, from. Lucky, that's also why, like, when you do these things because you believe that they're good, it's also more painful when it goes badly, right? Because, like, so for you, myself, or maybe even Donku and some of these people that, like, you know, felt like they were you know, you know, benefiting financial freedom or whatever else, like, and coin goes to zero or whatever. Um, it definitely hurts a lot more. Like it hurts more, like, uh, like truly more deeply when, when, cause you, you really don't want something bad to happen to someone necessarily. Right. You really don't. And so, um, yeah, it's like, I don't know, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like it is like the time felt worth it because like you might be benefiting someone that, uh, gets something out of it.
So it's like, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah especially it's like, especially because like a lot of people are not necessarily as like technically savvy with say crypto or necessarily even financially savvy generally. So a little bit of like direction here and there can be very like beneficial to some people. Um, mm. <clears throat> I think my approach to shilling is kind of the correct one from this perspective because um, it's so silly that there's never any any direct command to do anything. You remember in in old Lunar, I was just talking about it blowing up and stuff, and upgrading my girlfriend. Yeah, that was always hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I remember it one time when Sefi or Bruce would do a space. On an average, we'll see like during the lunar time or even after the collapse or even during the bear market when it was about lunar, I'd usually see like five or 600 people joining, right? And apparently when you stop talking about it, the the volume of people joining in and talking about it also drops. Yeah, like some of those space had a lot of people also because some of the times we had like, you know, if it was Do Kwan or like it was Sunny or something, like, like founders and stuff. No, I'm not talking about always had Dokon, but even I remember at one point it was like it was still good. But no, he's talking about like the lunk the lunk heyday. Yeah, oh the, the lunk spaces. Time. Oh yeah, yeah. You came a little bit later. We were doing this even before that. Yeah, you're right. During that lunk time. There's a huge lunk crowd at that time. That was very funny. That um, was um fun for a while. Got kind of boring yeah. though. People it got like, boring. You you also get people listening to like um they tune in and what they really want is a morale boost about why their bag is going to go up. And then yes. it was in reality, it was me and Xerox ears and Sefi and whoever fucking around. And then it's like, hang on a minute. Like what's, what's going on here? You're not telling me why my bag yeah. is going up. You're just having fun. It's like, yeah. When the only actual conversation piece is why number go up or why number go down. Like that can only last so long. Like what you do a little technical thing and you go, okay, some fibs or whatever. And okay, great um it's such it's just like boring um like like if you look at like um what zephyr does for example there's at least like a a two-hour diatribe or whatever monologue you could do about like what it does why it does it why it's interesting to me hash rate this and da 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 like there's like a like a like i don't know there's combo to be had about what it does and why and why it's useful and so like there are some things to fall in love with on it, right? Like, and if there's not something to fall in love with on the nature of the thing, um, the sense I get is like, ultimately there's nothing for other people to fall in love with either. And, um, you know, that creates limited sort of upside on the one hand, but limited conversation capacity. This is why I kind of like layer ones tend to do well, like layer one blockchains and stuff, because the different dApps show up and the different protocols, whatever, there's, there's just always something to like chat about regarding the thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like a more, it's a more robust video game essentially to talk about. Yeah. Whereas like the more simple it is, like if it's pure meme coin energy, for example, um, like the, the only, nobody really cares even about the meme part of it. They just care that the meme causes the number to go up, right? Like with a Dogecoin or something. Um, it's really that simple. Um, and like for the meme coin thing, you have to find the maximum number of retards possible. It's not the smart people you're trying to attract. Um, not really my cup of tea in terms of convo. Like you've been to like meme coin spaces where like it's pure, just like unadulterated retard energy, right? Like if you go to like during the bull market, like NFT spaces and stuff, and it's just sheer nonsense. Um, like it's just hard for me to t tolerate that stuff like for too long. <laughs> so it doesn't really work. 
but those things yeah. do pump a lot. Like when they're doing well, they're fine. But then the number goes down, everyone disappears. Like the rooms just clear out. Lunk was the same way. So is there a 30-year lock period on this autism token? <laughs> no. No. But um, I, I mean, <laughs> I'll, I don't know if you know anything about it so far. You can do what you like, but um, if you sell, then you're on some list of shame forever, yeah. Got it. I, I want that one. Once Bruce was a Luna Classic God, remember last year? Bruce, something like a God mode and whatever Bruce said. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really tried to help them and I, I like campaigned mercilessly to get finance to burn and stuff, which actually worked funnily enough and, um, and other <laughs> stuff. But it's just, in the end, it was just too many idiots, too many dishonest people. The, the average IQ dropped so much with time. Like if you think about the early investors back in May, Sefi, they were largely pr fairly smart, like contrarian thinkers who believed mm -hmm. in the reincarnation of blockchains, right? Who realized that that like tokenomics have changed and maybe this thing can still exist. And hey, there's an Oracle Rewards pool. Like there's a logic to it, right? Like there's a logic. There was a big logic to the the resurgence and the pump initially. Um, but then over time, you got the top buyers. Like when Binance started burning in in uh, September and October, then you got like mass dimwit inflow, and you also started to get a weird like distribution of of power, the voting power, um, where all of the the people who turned up late and marketed themselves well and got validated um, placements and things started to get like a larger following um, and larger delegations. And then like just the, as soon as there was $4 billion market cap, you got the grifters coming in. You got the weasels, you got the snakes, you got the rats, you got everyone who wanted that money. Um, and then it just got out of control. Uh, and, and at that stage, I just started to get like bored. Because it was like, hang on a minute, this can be a pure, beautiful thing, like a new ecosystem, we can fix things, or it can be a sort of money, money hungry snake tank. And it became a snake tank. Yeah, like, like, if you wanted to, you had enough, like, pull in the sense that if you wanted to scam a bunch of people, um, you, like, I could have made loads, it would have, you could have made loads, like probably tens of millions, probably in easy, some sort of ridiculous ploys of some kind or other. Yeah, for so sure. Even look, look at like that. You remember that lunatics token thing? Mm -hmm. uh, so at the peak of, of Lunk in August, September, there was a, a BSC shitcoin that came out called lunatics token. Right. And um, the idea was that it existed on BSC, but they claimed <laughs> to support Lunk. And the idea was simply that when it was bought or sold, they, they bought with 3% of the money from the buy or sell tax, they bought Lunk and burned it. But it was like done by some like, third party right that you don't know and it relies entirely on trust but this fucking thing because there were so many dimwits and retards um in lunk it pumped to like 30 million market cap and the team exited and dumped like i don't know like five ten million or something i'm sure <laughs> and and but the point was like it was such a stupid thing it made no sense it was on bsc um the the support for lunk was like ridiculously small and, and reliant on trust, but they, they exited with like five, $10 million. Part of it guys. is too, like when you have a bunch of retarded energy and a lot of people willing to retweet anything, then it's like, you could create any piece you of can leverage. You can leverage apparent loyalty. And yeah, apparent and support retweet anything. anything that says the word Luna in it or whatever at that point. If it, if it says something like burn lunk, or if you say our buy and sell tax has burned X amount of lunk or whatever, it's like these guys support us, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But exactly. Meanwhile, anything, meanwhile, like they just 
Meanwhile, they just extracted um, investor capital, dumped on your head, made off with five, 10 million. Oh, yeah. But yeah, like I, I never, I never did a single thing like anything like this. But it was e- like it's easy to capitalize on things. Um, it's yeah, the most like, simple thing in the world to make money like that. No question. Like, had I been some kind of like scammer, I'd probably be like as number, many number of years I've been doing this. Like, I'd probably be up like I don't know, fifty plus mil by now. Like <laughs> some some ridiculous number. Because like you don't even so need to scam. You just need some like really basic shit, like some shitty proposal, and then hire some freelancers to do it badly you know like, oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah no, you, like the amount you don't of, even need to outright scam it's too easy the amount of dev time you need to sort of create some sort of ridiculous project that does nothing um is very, quite limited you would just need consensus support from like a chain or something which is easy mm-hmm. yep yep like so if you didn't care about your your reputation or anything else and you're just going to just create some like i'm rage quitting this thing and i'm just going to like ruin my reputation to to scam everybody, it's very doable. Well, uh, even reputation is sort of an illusion over time, right? It's because it you end up you end up getting people like um, example, like me running a, a Lunk validator or something. Mm-hmm. Very quickly, uh, the the newer scummy validators realized that they could just like tell lies. Um, like one of the lies that came out was like Bru- Bru- Coach Bruce owns like a hundred million dollars worth of Lunk and he's dumping it. <laughs> stuff like right. that right right and, and and it like went it like went viral for a while and it's like i'm, I'm re-delegating because this guy is dumping 100 million dollars and all this stuff it made no sense but you realize that like where there's <laughs> financial incentive to compete there's also incentive to lie especially on um crypto twitter where anyone could say anything and the and funny thing is like you, you'd make these funny posts like Sefi is dumping his lung and um he is like uh fudding your bags and whatever else like you'd have these funny tweets and I'm like, oh, yeah. here we go again. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's, it's but it's it's All just inspired by reality. After me, <laughs> it's inspired by reality, right? It's like, so um, I I received like a hundred, two hundred messages to say that I'm Doquan, and uh, this Coach Bruce account is in fact like paid by TFL and run by Doquan or whatever. And then at a certain point, I just like admitted to it because <laughs> it was too it was too boring to keep <laughs> too resisting. funny not to. <laughs> yeah, and then and then AI articles came out like confirming it and stuff and it was very weird that's so funny <laughs> nice I'm gonna I'm tell you something when the world starts to get really bad and these mugs out here robbing you gonna love digital currency all these motherfuckers they be running and gunning and I'm all like I'm sitting back just having fun in the sun and then I'm like one out of a hundred I'm just building up on it to some of everything we built her in the last hundred upsets you getting salty feeling faulty you ain't no man I keep robo here grinning ear to ear throwing up anarchy smoking toiletries spitting philosophies look at the dossier we rack like geology this layers to this shit like it's sedimentary all these little onion peels getting torn off and buried imagine the smell that shit is a vital experience without knowing how you will not survive period uh, <laughs> he's a fucking trip man to me if you to me if you listen to this right you're getting absolutely fucking ripped to death like on a spaces of a life you little troglodyte bastard I hope you fucking listen, I hope you come to my house soon. I swear to God, man, I've got fucking loads of weapons and my dogs, man. Mate, you just a little rat, man. Go on, fuck off, man. Do one. Fuck off. Harmony. Me and Neil, the one, do you looking for a fucking job? You fucking idiot. You've just been fucking at my death. Fuck off.
try to change the course of the portion philosophy I'm just here for the corporation sponsored lobotomy Feels like I won the lottery, like I'm ghost in this pottery Chill, Demi, boy, the shit's supposed to be haunting If it wasn't, ain't no puzzle, you would try to train your muscle Air dropping like a fatal hustle, but the pay is bustin' Think of all the loss of crew, just to pick up off the truth Because I'm not figured, all those sub would make up for something I guess it just goes to show, the fuck do I know? At least it's quiet over here, I like my little silo It's better than watching them fight over how to divide my time between sitting at the desk and the ride home Devs at Mickey D's, they leeching off that Wi-Fi Zapdos and Moldy shipping more than five guys Console open, waiting for the kamikaze When the flash loans bang, they feeling like paparazzi Snapshot motherfuckers We got layers, meteoric jawbreaker We cracking a lot of craters We rapping a lot of pay dirt Maxing out relators Imagine the smell Five dollar wrench to your dark Vader is, is really funny uh, to us at Binance that everyone here is talking about uh, blockchain attack. We know who all the validators are, we know, we know where they live, and we're, and we're going to their house we're going with a wrench, to their, a big wrench, and we will attack them with the wrench, and then we will take their validator node physically and put it in a truck and drive it to China. Right, so this is an extension of the, the activities you performed on, on BTC, right? Uh, funding and creating these massive uh, Bitcoin mines, putting them in caves, putting them in, in uh, factories that were abandoned in the past, and also using electromagnetic pulse bombs to detonate uh, the USA and the other country mines, right? So you're now applying this strategy to, to Lunk uh, in order to take over the chain, is that correct? Uh, it's more simple. There's no uh, EMP bomb. It's just a van of men in uh, and they have wrench and they're taking the physical validators from people's houses. They are usually very fat and they're usually uh, in the shower with, you know, with trying to wash uh, their mice uh, droppings off their uh, clothes. So it's very simple. We just walk in and we take it. But if there is someone who is sitting at the computer or sleeping at the computer, we, uh, we hit them with the wrench really, really hard. And then they say, stop. Don't do that again. And we say, that's okay. Just mm -hmm. give us your validator note. And then they give it to us and we drive it to China. Ten spaces. <laughs> 